boom, cha, boom, boom, cha. You know. It's a fun song. It's really good. I don't like The Offspring all that much, but that's a real fun song. I really do love The Offspring. I and I think it's do. because <laughs> you and I just travel in different musical circles. Because you are not as big of a fan of punk I'm as I am. I'm just not into punk nearly as much as and you are now. <laughs> that is so fair, but... I respect the, it conceptually. You know, if you exit the punk genre, you really lose the fun of songs that are titled The Only Good Fascist is a Very, Very Dead Fascist. I, and that's See, this is the kind of stuff that makes me wish I did like punk when right? I listen to it, because they'll just say shit like that, and I love that. Dude, it's like... Whereas black metal bands yeah. are always just like, you know what we should do is we should purge outsiders from our country. <laughs> It's like, hey, <laughs> hey, Attila, what do you mean by that? What you said purge outsiders from our country? What do you mean by that? What? Why are your, hey, Ride for Revenge, why are your lyrics all talking about invaders from the East? What is that? What's the deal with that? Don't listen to Ride for Revenge. Their members are actually affiliated with, like, legit extremist groups. Fucking hell. It's horrible. But, like, I listened to them by accident when I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that their music is I really good. I hate that the worst black metal bands are always the ones with the songs that go so fucking hard. It's really annoying. It's really, really annoying. It's a tough genre to want to listen to, no matter how much I enjoy it. Because all the music is like, not all the music, much sure. of the music is really, <laughs> it's, raw. it's it's compelling raw music. Yeah. But then, in the same way that a lot of punk is, yeah, it's it's a different flavor. It's a but different it's doing compelling. A similar thing. It's a different flavor of compelling rock. Yeah, I yeah. love the way that like, um, the way that black metal bands will just release a demo and be like, yeah, that's it. We're not going to spend enough money to actually hit a real studio and get good production. This is right. what it is. And frankly, when black metal bands get better production, I don't think I like it more. You don't like Kerr Congren? You know what? Because you that's got a good really good black point metal there. right there. You got a really good they point. They are I do have honestly my gold my standard best. for black metal with good production values. They're re- okay. They are really, really good. Yeah. Some might say that their production is a little bit too clean. Well, yeah, but they're also bringing in like they're string bringing orchestra. They're symphonic stuff. It's kind of like you have to, right? Yeah. Like, if you're doing orchestral stuff, you got to match their level. And the orchestra is yeah. always going to sound clean and good. You have to sound clean and good. Now, I would be very interested in the orchestra that's recorded to sound dirty. That would be something. I would be real interested. Someone puts their fucking phone down in the middle of the orchestra pit and says, all right, here we go. It's best if you record it to vinyl, but like, yeah, it'll do. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry. Sorry that I'm not cool enough for the underground symphonic black metal bands. Yeah, I, I record all my music on a wax cylinder. You've seen Rob Scallon's videos about that, right? Yeah. <laughs> God, I love that. He's like, all right, we got to position everyone because there's no volume sliders here. Got to make no sure mixing. everything just, works out. And they're just do their... playing into this trumpet thing, and that's the microphone. <laughs> he's like, all right, the singer has to be right in front of it because he's the only unamplified one. It makes it seem really obvious the reason that, like, in the earlier days of recorded music and stuff, a lot of the popular stuff was like Django Reinhardt, Stefan Grappelli, kind of like hot club jazz. Yeah. Because those are just really easy ensembles to mix by yeah. just uh, you setting got... your mic up correctly at the kitchen table that they're all playing yeah, at four, or whatever. That yeah, four guys <laughs> sitting around one microphone and just three of them are going and smoking chunk, cigarettes. Chunk, 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 and then one goes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then and then Stefan Grappelli's like, because that's just how he always sounds. God, I love that music so much. It's so good. Reinhardt and Grappelli are like the sounds of my childhood and obviously yours as well. Yeah. There's like them as uh, not even any specific songs because I couldn't name any of them, even though I can pick them out of a lineup of listening. I can tell you exactly what a few of them sound like. I got no idea what they're called. Right. (laughs) 
Like you hand me all five of the Padres CDs or whatever he has, and I could find the songs I'm thinking of. Oh, but if you asked me to name them before I did that, I might get one just out of blind luck. Maybe I the I can think of what like the the lyrics to one are, even though they never had lyrics to it. I think I heard the song somewhere else in a different context. Well, because he, he had a lot of jazz scenes. There were a lot of standards back then. And this is something that the modern music scene has really lost because we're also after original music. There used to be standards, covers that literally everyone would do on right? their record. Yeah. Can you imagine that? <laughs> I just, the fact that songs could be called standards is so fun to me. Really? And you had those in multiple genres. There were jazz standards, there were country standards. Like every every genre had their own. Yeah. Can you imagine if, like, after fucking, like, Hotline Bling came out, if everyone was just doing Hotline Bling for the next five years? Everybody side had a version of it. Like... I'm just side-eyeing, uh, side-eyeing YouTube uh, right? ukulele players right now. I don't win the Hotline Bling. In a way, in a way. YouTube has continued the tradition. YouTube covers are continuing the tradition, aren't they? Because mm -hmm. everyone just covers all the same shit all the time. Yeah. <laughs> They're keeping it alive. That's good. I mean, it's for good every uh, it annoys me, but it's good, right? For every gimmick, uh, Hazy Dixie out there, that's just like, ah, yeah, we get it. There's five to three hundred very sincere people on YouTube doing the exact same thing with not an ounce of self awareness, and chest. I respect the hell out of that. They do it better than Hazy Dixie, I bet. Um, no, sometimes. Okay, Hazy right. Dixie has the the good energy to it because they oh, keep sure. up with They're it. They're having fun, yeah. Exactly, like. I don't know. I was I was just listening to their cover of Gin and Juice recently for some <laughs> reason, and it's just really good. Sure, because they got like Gin and Juice is just a fun song. It's very it is. easy to it's, make it something that's nice to listen. It's to. It's just a good song. Yeah, and you know what else is actually shockingly good? What's that? Gab and the Ghouls. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so true. So true. <laughs> <laughs> what so, a transition! That was fantastic. So I I don't know if you noticed. I immediately hid my letterboxed. Uh, diary from you so that you could not see what I was about to talk about because I want to hit you with this Oh, one. you did such a good job. I didn't even notice. I was so subtle wow. about it. Incredible. Um, I watched the Brothers Grimm. Oh, yeah. Okay, um, now that is uh, what? Um, um, so Matt Damon and Heath Ledger? Am Heath Ledger. Matt yeah, Damon I remember Heath Ledger. this movie. It is, I do not remember it being good. Well, I didn't remember it at all. Oh. I pulled it out because a friend of mine was over and we were gonna watch Sinister. Right? Sure, sure. And then we stood and talked in the kitchen for too long while we ate our pizza and realized, shit, it's almost 10. I really don't feel like watching Sinister now. This is the same thing that happens every time I come over here for any specific reason. Yeah, pretty much, right? <laughs> and I'm like, you know what sounds great? Brothers Grimm. I haven't seen that in so long. And they're like, oh my God, I used to watch that movie so much. I remember everything. And then what? we watched it. And I'm everything that's happening. I didn't remember that the entire thing was that they were a bunch of shysters who were faking their uh, oh yeah stuff. I forgot that's the whole thing. I remember that um, Heath Ledger's character kills his sister by believing in magic beans. Oh um, yeah, it happens at the beginning of the movie. What? Yeah, and then they move on. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, because he bought magic beans instead of medicine. Yep. And he didn't follow through with the whole giant slang thing? No, like... no, that part didn't happen. It was just Damn. a guy who sold him magic beans. Okay. Uh, but he was always willing to believe in the fairy tales. And the... What's what that gets? I got horrible news for you, though. Brothers Grimm is good in one way specifically. It's and fun. it's the fact... No, uh, it is fun. But it's the fact that every single one of their uh, of their sets 
is practical. Oh, yeah. They have practical, difference. looks like stonework. They have practical, everything is there and They've real like and touchable. Machines and automatons as well, don't they? Nope. Or no, like, no, it's, they have they, like, like gears devices and... that they use that they're like assistant guys like used to fly and pretend to be witches or whatever. Yeah, they got like gears and pulleys and stuff. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And there's like, you know, like mechanicals in that way, but nothing like, nothing beyond that. Oh, okay, sure, sure. But it's like, Everything is tactile so that when you have moments of god awful CG like the gingerbread man. Oh. And uh yeah. It's you always know. a gingerbread man. Yeah. Being made out of mud. He forms himself He's out a of mud. mud. Man? That's yeah. a golem. Holy shit. Yeah, he comes up um like the this one's for Sean. Uh you know that one goopy Pokemon? You know who I'm talking about. He's just like, ugh. Uh, big hands up in the air. He's just like, bleh, 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 bleh. you know, he's he's like perfect. There's a golem Pokemon. Well, he's not. He doesn't have legs. He's like a slug man, but oh. he's not slugma. He's a slop monster. He's a slop monster. Yeah, okay. that um, was my favorite B52s song. Slop monster. Uh, yeah, that's how the the gingerbread boy appears okay. uh, before he turns into that. the cookie shape. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't either. Uh, and then he came climbing out of the well, and it was like, what the fuck am I watching? That yeah, that's really something. Yeah. So I see here you've given it three stars out of five. I have, and it's a hundred percent because of all the practical sets. Because I can forgive the fact that this was not a movie meant to be watched on an HDTV. Oh God, yeah. However, unlike a lot of other CG reliant movies um, from now and how bad they're gonna look in like ten years, because. You know what CG looks like. Everyone can spot CG in a movie. Right. You know, and before anyone says, uh, actually, there's more CG than you realize. Yeah, of course, we all know that there's more CG than we realize, but it's the when good it's obvious, CG though. is never noticed. And yeah. then, you know, the Marvel spectaculars, you're going to look at that in like 10 years and be like, whoo, this looks a little rough. Am I right? Yeah, you can tell they really thought they did something there. I mean, it's, half of it, you look at it. As it's getting released, and you're like, you know, I swear Lord to God, Lord of the Rings came out 20 years ago, and their yeah. CG looked actually pretty good compared to this. It did, like, and oh my God, I swear, <laughs> when I saw Avengers: Infinity War and Endgame in theaters, yeah. I swear to God, Thanos was stuttering on screen. Holy shit! I did not I have that experience, but he is very clearly animated from the get. He like, is 100 percent clearly animated, and I just. Not stop motion, but I remember him moving in a lightly jerky fashion, which mm. I'm sure there's ways that that could have been just an error on the projectionist part. Sure. Who knows? Or a technical issue that nobody really had any direct right. hand in. But like... I I very clearly remember that. And this is not me remembering Cthulhu's ass in Underwater. Sure, sure. This is like, in the moment, I remember being like, do you see that shit? And someone fuck? going, would you stop complaining about the CG? <laughs> Yeah, that's productive. Nice. Okay. Right. Sure. Sure. But yeah, the Brothers Grimm still looks good. It is a really good looking movie. Okay. Uh, the costumes are fun and it's got what's his ass. When in did it. that come out? 2005. 2005. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 I was like, where's, where's this man? Peter Stormare is in it as this like psycho Italian man. I know man. that name from somewhere. What He's is... the devil in Constantine. Oh. Like the devil. I've seen this guy in a ton of shit. You've seen him in so much shit. I did not realize I'd seen him in this many things because I... Wait, He's wait, in hold Clown. On. Hold on, hold on. Scroll scroll back up to the top just for a second there. He's in The Big Lebowski. He's in Fargo. I've watched both of those relatively recently. He's mm -hmm. in John Wick 2. Mm -hmm. 
he's in Jurassic Park: The Lost World, which I know that I have seen, but it was a long time ago. He's in Minority Report, mm-hmm. Minority Report, which I I know is the same deal there. I've seen it. It was just a while ago. Yeah, what a guy. Why have I never recognized him when I've seen him? What the hell? Okay. Now, if you were to see him here in this photo of him on Letterboxd, and then you were... Now, think about the devil in Constantine and how he doesn't look anything like that guy. It's just the hair and the beard, ultimately. But, like... And then he doesn't look like... sometimes. He doesn't look like this or that He doesn't in, act uh, like that. And in that's, that's fucking a... the Brothers Grimm, either. Sure. I don't know. It's really neat. It was a good time. Huh. Okay. Maybe I like this guy, and I just don't realize it. That is... Yeah, with my friends sitting on the couch, uh, just being like, oh my God, Peter Stormare. And I'm like, yeah, Peter Stormare. Yeah. I also know and love him. <laughs> yeah. Huh. That's that. Okay. Uh, good movie. Um, in, a, in the sense of highlighting how important um, physical sets are. Right, right. Because physical sets, even though this movie's ass garbage... The movie is still worth oh, sure. watching just to see right? the physical but, sets. Yeah. It's a very good... Also, well, Johnny like... Depp was supposed to be in this, and oh. instead he ended up in Pirates of the Caribbean. Wow, what a better move for everyone involved. So, Holy Matt shit. Damon's character, you can tell he was written. Like, it was... He left, like, a week or two into shooting. Matt Damon Whoa. looks like a guy who is trying to be Captain Jack Sparrow. Oh, Every now and then, he the way he talks is very clear he's doing a Johnny Depp. The words that are chosen are clear he's doing a Johnny Depp. It's very if cool. If you were to tell me, if you were to give me the prompt, you have to replace Johnny Depp in a movie, who do you pick? I would never in a million years no. choose Matt Damon. No, no, never. Literally never. However. I, I feel like I just, I keep forgetting that Matt Damon is actually a good actor because I personally am just incapable of taking him seriously. I just don't like him that much yet, right? The He's first just... thing that, and the only thing that I ever saw him in for a really long time was Ocean's Eleven, where he plays like the loser of the group. Yeah, he's just a so big losing, loser uh, nerd. permanently the space that he occupies in my brain. <laughs> losing nerder, I tell you. I, yeah. Man, I'm, I'm on a roll tonight. Yeah, he's a losing nerder. <laughs> so true. <laughs> but yeah, that's my ghoul. I've only watched one movie since we uh, since we last recorded, actually, and it was huh. well. That's not true. I watched the movie for today. Well, sure. But since the nineteenth of November, I did not watch another movie. Wow, that sucks. I know. You know what I watched? What'd you watch? I watched the same movie that Emma talked about on our last episode, When Evil Lurks, and I have already talked about it a little bit in the Discord, but. Uh, boy howdy emma wasn't lying that evil sure can lurk holy shit you've got to watch this thing it is it's it's got a little bit of like um you know that like annoying cgi blood that you see every now and then oh yeah yeah the saw but effect an (laughs) awful (laughs) the the saw effect yeah yeah kind of um but the like makeup and stuff the practical effects are all really really good and Emma was, uh, I, I think, doing it justice by saying that it's a really cool take on the whole, like, you know, possession idea. I think it's just, it's really good. Also, once again, I also don't want to say too much about it because I want you to be able to go in as blind as you can. But also, um, h- however bad you think the violence against the children is going to be, it's probably going to be a little worse than that, actually. Caught me by surprise, even though I knew to expect it. See, when Emma warned about it, I was just like, oh, yeah, there's probably going to be a little like, bit. Like, oh, sure, there's some violence against some children. No, it's it's serious. 
See, when I hear, oh, there's going to be some bad violence against children, all I remember is the stink everyone threw up when It came out, chapter one and two. Because of the opening scene. Because, like, kids were dying. Kids were dying. That kid gets his arm ripped off. Kids can't die. Not in movies. And the movie's mostly kids. It's, I don't know, I don't know what you expect. Yeah. Also, it's really funny to hear anyone saying that when the big complaint that you hear from horror fans so often is stop putting kids in movies if they're not going to die. I'm kind of with that, right? Like, I don't, I don't like that as a criticism person. Well, no, no, it only because if it is a consistent enough thing, it's a little bit of a bummer to know automatically a bunch of stuff that might end up happening. But you, you don't and know well, that, Evil though, Dead Rise really worked like, for me is I saw a bunch of kids. And I'm like, OK, cool. They're all going to survive. Yeah. You expect all was, the adults to die in that one, right? I, every single one of them. Yeah. And then that is not at all what happened. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Uh, a bunch of kids died, in fact. Multiple kids. And I don't know. I guess there's a difference between teenage kids and child child kid. Sure. And some of it, I don't want to see. People are talking about like small kids when they're when they're having this see, criticism. That's the, I don't want to see I... like five-year-olds getting murked. And that's like, I guess everyone's over here like Pet Cemetery did it. And it's like, yeah, because it was a shock thing. You know? Well, it's, I, I it's think it's story. like anything Stephen else. King did if that. you... If you try and lean on it too hard, you're going to end up running out of steam with it or you're going to just make it really distasteful. That's another thing. But I don't like like the criticism that like horror movies just shouldn't have kids in them if they're not going to die. I I hate that. I I think that's a really brain dead take, honestly. Walk back my take. Also, it is brain dead. One of my takes is the is kind of an opposite thing where I'm Mm -hmm. like, stop putting dogs in your movie if it's just so you can kill them. Yeah, no, that also. I'm sick of that shit. Because I don't necessarily want to have a dog just hanging around because there was... I want the dog to be there for a reason, you know? (laughs) A friend of mine on Twitter, let me walk this back a little bit. Sure, sure. I know this guy's wife, and he's a game dev, and he's on Twitter. I wonder wonder who you might be talking about. (laughs) (laughs) But he had this thread that he went on for a little while uh, because it was like, what's your controversial video game opinion? He's like... It's really stupid that every video game gives you an option to pet the dog or pet the cat now because that's just kind of... It's pandery. It's pandery, yeah. and it if it is not in line with the theme and, like, energy of the game, it right. doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, examples being uh, fucking... Red Dead. I'm I was just thinking of Red now. Dead. Red Dead makes sense. I think it makes You're, sense. It's an immersive it's world. It's cowboy simulator. It's a cowboy simulator. Cowboys and you are choosing whether you get the option to pet or kick the dog, depending on whether you're a good or a bad guy. Yeah. I don't, if you kick the dogs as Arthur, just come on over. Let's have a chat. I will not do anything. You just want to talk? I just want to talk. <laughs> but, you know, like, if I'm playing any other game, frankly, almost any other game, like, if I'm playing uh, Baldur's Gate, if it lets me pet a dog, that's fine. Sure. That makes sense. Sure. Another, like, game where that's just, like, it's D&D, right? Like, you're like, oh, I, I want right, to pet the yeah. dog. And it's like, yeah, okay, pet the dog. Now yeah, okay. what? You know? I don't know. I think some of that is a little too pandery, and I'm not a fan. And definitely Can in the same way. Can you name a game where you shouldn't be able to pet dogs? I'm trying to think, because I never try to pet the dogs. I'm not interested in that. Mm-hmm. But then there is also a Twitter account devoted to Can You Pet the Dog? Oh, and sure. It's, it, I, every now and then I see it pop up on my feed, or I used to, uh, before bots were banned. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I, you know, jeez. 
It's, it's just really <laughs> funny. <laughs> oh, the downfall of Twitter. Um, but yeah, and it would just be like random ass games where it's just like, okay, I guess. Yeah. But it would be like if Dishonored, for example. If Dishonored had an option where there was a dog and I could pet it, it would feel weird. Yeah, it's just, out of place. There's I don't no want point. a dog in Dishonored. Just don't put one there. There's an awful lot that just doesn't fit in Dishonored, ultimately. <laughs> there is. Really There's room fun for game, one animal, though. and it's rats. Rats. <laughs> and the rats work for me. <laughs> That's what makes Dishonored the best game. You can d- destroy your enemies with just a mass of rats. It is really great. It's like, oh, you can do the good guy ending, and there's no rats. Or, or you could be a bad guy and be the actually man. summon a sea of rats to eat people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's one of can... the more effective strategies because then there's no body for the other guards to notice <laughs> i love if you're not careful and you're trying to go for like uh, a clean run if you knock someone out and leave them on the floor sometimes the rats will find them and eat them the and rats it counts will just as eat you anyway. killing them yeah. and you get the bad ending now <laughs> yeah <laughs> incredible oh my god i just realized i watched another movie this week oh one that you forgot to log i okay no, it's a transition, you buffoon. Oh, no, shit. <laughs> it was called House of a Thousand Corpses. <laughs> Theme music. Whoever introduces it needs to do the ghost host line from the from the movie. What's the line? I'm your host, your ghost host, with the most. Awkward pauses in there, of course. Sounds like it's going to be you. Okay. Welcome back to the Casual Obsession Horror Movie Podcast, the horror movie podcast where we talk about horror movies. I am your host, your ghost host, with the most, Jeff, and I am joined in the studio today by only one per. What did, what did you say your name was? Well, I'm uh, your host, your ghost host, Oh, with the most. Well, now, hold on. We can't both have the Dr. Most. Wolfenstein. Oh, shit. You remembered the whole line. It's Dr. Wolfenstein. I I love, in the beginning, there's a Dr. Wolfenstein. And then the guy comes in and he does his line. He's like, Dr. Wolfenstein. And it's like, hey, you guys couldn't get on the same page, announcer yeah, like, man and Dr. Oh, Wolfenstein. God. I, I love that as a segment that just keeps coming back in the movie, though. Anyways, we're watching House of a... We watched House of a Thousand Corpses. We watched House of a Thousand uh, Corpses. Written and directed by one Robert Zombert. God bless America uh, for giving us Robert Zombert, the really? Rob Zombino. Um, it sure is a movie, ain't it? It is... Okay. Yeah. I, have this, I have this theory about it, right? Um, oh? You need to have a theory? I know the truth. No, okay, so the theory plays in with the truth, but the theory isn't actually a theory so much as a my feelings. Oh, sure. This is not a movie to be watched. It is an experience to have that is a, uh, it resides in the visual medium. It certainly does reside in the visual medium. I cannot argue with that. I think the ideal viewing situation for this movie is pretty similar to the circumstances that you saw it in the bar uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, I, think I literally was is... thinking that. I'm like, this is such a pretty movie to look at yeah, what this in movie... the sense of if it's on the screen. What this movie is perfect for is a situation where nobody in the room is going to be actually paying attention to it. It's like if you've got a Halloween party yep, and you want movies in the background, this is such a perfect one to have in the background. Because if you just kind of tune in and out of it, you will never miss anything. And Flip you, side, this you is, will get um, the impression that the movie is just kind of a string of unconnected vignettes, and that's probably a better of, way to experience it. Kind of what it's like, right? 
Honestly, Flip when we side, get this further is a in, hard twenty-one up party that we are at. Because oh, absolutely, it's got to be. There, it's not you a fun. Cannot, mo- there's like you can't have kids movies. in the room for this shit. No, no, because oh, there's God. fun movies to have. This on This isn't the like party. Texas Chainsaw Massacre that you could show to your five-year-old to get them into horror movies, right? Exactly. Like, you can't do that with this kind of thing. No, there's a necrophilia scene in it. I mean, come on. There's kind of more than one necrophilia scene. It's it's it's, it's kind like, of a through line. Actually, it's alluded to in a lot of situations, but there's only one scene where you're really like seeing it happen. Yeah, and that was originally longer. We'll get to that later, though. Um, I don't know how to go about doing a non-spoiler synopsis for this shit. I'm not gonna lie. I don't think we need to. Here's here's the non-spoiler synopsis. Spoiler synopsis. Also, I'd have a real. I'm gonna have a really really hard time just trying to sum up the events of this movie because it's just so. Oh, don't everywhere. you worry. I was thinking about this. Okay, good. The spoiler-free synopsis is a group of college-aged young people are on allegedly a, allegedly are on a cross-country road trip where they are among other things documenting the sites of back roads attractions. Yeah, the the two guys, the Chris Hardwick guy and the Rain Wilson guy, mm-hmm. seem to be. They they say that they're working on a book that is full of uh, crazy roadside attractions that you see when driving cross country. Mm-hmm. It's never clear, like if they work for a publication that has commissioned this of them oh, or I, something. I a hundred percent don't believe they do. I believe that they're. You think this is just something is, they're doing? I think this is their idea of a breakout novel. Okay, and they just have their girlfriends with them on this trip for well, because they're also reason. going to the one girl's uh, parents' house for Halloween. Mm, right, right, right. I don't know if it's necessarily for Halloween, but they're going there, and it's going to be Halloween, and they're just going to stay there for a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe this was them. Very adding... little about their situation is ever explained, and this it's is because Rob believes that nobody gives a shit about the kids; they're only there to get killed. I hate to say it, but he is so right. I literally couldn't care less yeah. about what these kids are doing. And it's it's very much the the Texas Chainsaw Massacre influence there, right? Like mm-hmm. this movie is very, very much influenced by when you watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre on TV in the middle of the night that one time when you were younger. Yep. You know, like this isn't necessarily influenced by the movie as it actually sits. It's the no. way you remember it when you saw it a yeah, while it's, ago. It's the way you remember it. And then after Texas Chainsaw Massacre ended, uh, a white zombie music video happened to also play. And that yeah. permanently damaged your memory of the movie. Yeah. Anyways, though. Yeah. yeah so they, they show up at uh, Captain Spaulding's place, which yeah. is a gas station uh, and a, also murder museum. Yeah, it's a gas station <laughs> slash murder museum slash fried chicken spot. Um, Just and, on the side of the highway. Yeah. Which, frankly, that is exactly the kind of roadside attraction I would stop at. I mean, I, I'm getting gas yeah. and there's an option for the gas station that also has a uh, murder ride. And a bunch of like oddities deal, you know? Yeah. I it is interesting how he just has all the cases of oddities and stuff in the regular storefront area. Yeah, it looks like they're for sale almost. It doesn't look like he sells anything normal at all. It seems no. like he literally only sells two things, chicken and gas. Yeah. And, and also the, the secret tickets third to thing, the murder ride. The experience. Yeah. Yeah. This is his whole shtick, and he's a clown for some reason. Uh, he's Captain Spaulding. He's Captain Spaulding. You can't be called Captain Spaulding if you're not a clown you, or something. You gotta, shit. you gotta be a clown if you're gonna be called Captain Spaulding. Captain Spaulding at your service. He never says that. He I never says that to. at all. He should. Um, it seems like something a guy named Captain Spaulding would say, especially him being a clown, but he doesn't. So I just want to. By the way, I want to get out ahead of this. Oh sure. Last time we did an episode without Emma. I'm not gonna say N64 who it was, but somebody 
said that we accidentally forgot the order of things. We're forgetting the the order on purpose this time. (laughs) Well, firstly, we did it on purpose last time, too. But we're also doing it on purpose this time. So I want to get it out there. When we play really fast and loose with these rules, it's on purpose. And, like, if you had seen this movie, you would understand. It's difficult to talk about in a coherent manner for people who haven't seen it. Or in a chronological manner, frankly. The movie's barely chronological. It's got so many damn cutaways in it. Yeah. It's an hour and a half long, and it feels as though it's really scraping to hit that runtime because it's cutting off to these, like, goofy-ass non-sequiturs constantly. Most of what we get with our main characters, even, is not really directly connected to much of anything at all. And And the movie makes so much more sense when you find out how it was made. I was just about to say that. When you realize this was Rob Zombie's pitch for a Halloween Horror Nights attraction... Yeah, which then he was just in a room with a, a, a like a, a, a universal executive man. <laughs> and the guy was just like, I need a movie. Do you you want to make movies, right? You got ideas for a movie? And Rob, I am the way I imagine this happening is mm-hmm. Rob is holding his rather large binder that says House of a Thousand Corpses on it. And it's all covered with like, you know, newspaper clippings from serial killers and stuff. And it mm-hmm. says Rob Zombie down at the bottom, you know. Yeah. And I imagine him looking down at this binder and looking back up and saying, yeah, I've got an idea for a movie. Mm-hmm. And the way he describes it, he then proceeded to just kind of talk out his ass for like 20 minutes, making up a pitch for a movie as it went along based on w- the ideas he had for this ride or this yep. haunted house deal. Mm-hmm. And two months later, they were filming. Firstly, like he he typed up a uh, like a 12 page treatment the next day and sent it to the guy because the guy's like, oh, my God, send me your send me your treatment real quick. Yeah. And he's like, just like ran home and wrote it as fast as he could and then sent it real quickly. And within two months, they were filming. This movie makes so much more sense when you know that it was that rushed because every scene feels like you're being pushed through Captain Spaulding's murder museum and seeing a new room being highlighted. The opening scene is the kickoff for your ride where Captain Spaulding says some real unfortunate shit. Oh, it's bad. And... He it murders was, a man. The the fuck was, your grandma is a line that was quoted to me far too often back when I was in the band. I think that's a really like, funny line, honestly. It is, but it's like, do you really want to put yourself out there as the person that knows a lot of lines from House of a Thousand Corpses? I don't want to. Um, I was about to say there's just better lines to be quoting, but I can't think of one now. Yeah, because fuck your mama, fuck your sister, fuck your grandma, and most of all, fuck you. Yeah, honestly. Because there's those are most certainly the best lines from that scene because yeah. they don't contain any ableist slurs, which is always nice. Yeah. Um, you know what? Let's let's do a brief uh, detour in our usual system. I want to hit the content warnings before we get into yeah. anything else. Yeah. Uh, because we already mentioned the necrophilia, uh, I think. Yeah, there is a bit of that. Um, but our content warnings include uh, liberal usage of the R slur. Um, there's a mostly confined to a single scene, but it's just a lot in that one scene. It is a lot. Um, there's a, there's assault throughout. Oh, absolutely. Uh, A good bit of sexual violence. Yeah. Uh, mutilation is occurring. There's a lot of disturbing imagery, like a lot of disturbing imagery. Yeah. And when I tell you this movie is like full of a lot of brutal violence, I'm, I'm, this is not the same level as what you were talking about in your ghoul. Oh, sure. But there's a lot of upsetting violence in this movie. There's no children involved. There's no children, but it's all it's not like upsetting. It's not like fun. No. Violence? No. 
It's very gritty. It's very meant to feel bad. Yeah. And like, I just want to get that out there real quick. Like this is, it's, I think it's funny that we chose to cover Rob Zombie's House of a Thousand Corpses when Nina was out of town and Emma were out of town, you know, so that neither of them could be here. Because frankly, they're not going to like it. They're not going to like it. I don't want to make them watch this movie. This isn't a uh, movie that I want to make other people watch. It's no. not one that I feel good about recommending under most circumstances. You got to be a real particular kind of person for me to think that this movie is going to be like good to watch. Yeah. For you. There's a lot of standout characters. Uh, there's a lot of standout moments. But before we get into those, let me hit you with the ratings. IMDb is coming in with a confusing six out of ten. Rotten Tomatoes is coming in with an understandable 21%. Sure. <laughs> Metacritic coming in with an understandable 31%. Yeah. Letterboxd coming in with a confusing 3.2 out of 5. Huh. Um, I don't think... Okay. This movie isn't really good, right? I wouldn't describe it that way, no. But there's a there are a few scenes that I really, really like. There's enough in it that I like that I can't manage to hate it. And unfortunately, some of my favorite stuff is from uh, my least favorite favorite character. Who's that? I want you to guess who my least favorite favorite is. Obviously, your favorite is going to be Captain Spaulding. Of course, right? I'm You're, not an idiot. Yeah, I mean, like, he's just, he's a Noah Coded kind of character. Captain Spaulding has got to be, like, uh, unfortunately Noah Coded really? character. <laughs> really? You take out all the heavy ableism <laughs> in his opening scenes, which in the later movies doesn't yeah. come up again yeah in for what it's worth. well only a little bit at least yeah but not in the same does. way yeah very briefly at least um i mean like uh, all the characters are better in devil's rejects devil's yes. rejects is just it's the superior movie operating mm -hmm. off a lot of the same ideas and we'll we'll, we'll get to that plenty later yeah, yeah your least favorite favorite character because i feel like you probably don't feel bad about liking otis Otis is the one i feel bad it's about him? liking oh okay no because you so... just don't like baby i assume Baby's fine. Okay. Baby's in fine. In this one? Yeah, actually, I don't mind Baby in this one either. Okay, okay. Because the last time we talked about this, I said that, and you acted like that was a weird thing for okay, me Okay, so think. I would like to, uh, on the record, walk back a take I had. Okay. I said... I don't know that you Sherry said this Moon on the record, Sherry Moon was actually. not a great actress. I said right. this in my gabbing of a ghoul. Yeah. I would like to walk that back, because I forgot that her character in this movie is so different from every other character I have seen her play. Yeah. And I did forget that her character in Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 is really like weird and ethereal because she's supposed to be because she's a ghost. Oh. <laughs> or um, a projection, shall we say. Sure, sure. You know, I forgot about that uh, when I was also comparing her to, you know, she's kind of a got like nothing going on in that and in um lords of salem i walk that back i would like to okay, officially okay. Cool, cool. back off on the take that i don't think she's a good actress now because... that said she's not as good in this as she has been in other stuff yes that you is can true. very much tell the lack of experience and a lot of that is because she actually has never had any intent of being a full-time actress that makes sense if you look at her imdb it is literally all just rob zombie shit and like mm -hmm. one episode of CSI. That's funny. That's really funny, isn't it? That's really funny. She has, for the most part, only actually acted in his projects and she only does it because it's him. It shows. She had been in like a bunch of his music videos and shorts that he had directed previously mm -hmm. to this. Yeah. 
Um, and she has been in pretty much everything that he's made ever since. But like, she was never really into being an actress. She was like a, a model and a dancer primarily prior prior to this. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But I... and this is in this actually also. Did you notice this? She's credited as Sherry Moon because she wasn't Sherry Moon she Zombie. Wasn't Sherry yet. Moon Zombie. Aww. It's actually really cute. Yeah. Yeah. I saw Sherry Moon flash across the front. And I'm like Sherry Moon and just Sherry Moon, <laughs> but Otis. Otis, Otis, played by Bill Mosley. People who love Otis need to be on a government watch list. You're saying I need to be on a government watch list? There's people who like Otis because he's a strong character (laughs) in the way that I love him I love watching Bill Mosley be crazy. And then there's people who love Otis and wear the Jesus is a cunt t-shirt or whatever the hell he wears. That's Cradle of Filth, dude. No, no, shit. That's a What's... Cradle of Filth shirt. No, 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 no. There's something else here. Half a sec. Does he wear a Cradle of Filth shirt no, in Three from Hell? No, I haven't um... watched Three from Hell yet. I've got to. Um. Oh, Jesus loves you, but I don't. Go fuck yourself. I. <laughs> That's really funny. Uh... Well, yeah. but like the thing about <laughs> Otis is that he's like 50% Charles Manson. Yeah. Always. Like he. Do you know how much you know about Bill Mosley? I know that he loved Texas Chainsaw Massacre so much yeah, that that he ended up in the sequel that he ended up in the sequel because he's like, no, look, I can do I can do the hitchhiker. Yeah. Have you heard the whole story there? Yeah. Doesn't he, he go? and his friend made a video that was just him fucking around pretending to be the hitchhiker from original TCM and Toby Hooper, I think just like happened to get sent a copy of this video by somebody who saw it and thought of him that's so funny and he was like yo this guy's good we should get him for the sequel that i'm gonna make now and that's why chop top exists Mm -hmm. it's great and if you've seen that and you look at the way that he's acting in this you can kind of see that it's like a little bit hitchhiker and a lot of charles manson is most of of what the character is he becomes a lot more his own thing in devil's rejects very much so but he doesn't lose that Charles Manson-ness. Actually, he no. only looks more like him. Looks a lot more like him. The literal... He talks a little bit less like him. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. He gets the... his own thing, really. Otis's cutaways in this movie are so strong because he it cuts yeah. to him and he's just doing these really powerful monologues. About nothing. About nothing. Just a, He's just ranting about how important he himself is, which is very Charles Manson. Mm-hmm. He's so important because he's a free thinker and people are afraid of free thinkers. And he is one of the true great minds out there kind of guy. And it's like, yeah. you listen to this guy talk and it's like, shut the fuck up, man. Shut up. I'm oh, begging absolutely. you to shut up. If you heard anyone talking like this, you would assume they were on a pile of drugs. Yeah. No, and he so almost definitely drugs. is a hundred percent. So yeah, he's my my least favorite favorite character. Okay, um, I I full on love him in Devil's Rejects because of just the way that he fucking is in House of a Thousand Corpses. Though, dude's a fucking gremlin. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah, <laughs> he's a mess, and everyone else is in the movie. Yeah, yeah, they sure are. I'm disappointed, honestly, in House of a Thousand Corpses with how little we get from Sid Haig being Captain Spaulding. Yeah, he we exists get him in the beginning for his really and he strong just kinda, opening. Yeah, he disappears for the whole middle of the movie. And then he comes back at the end. Just a little bit at the end. Yeah, sure, he's in the middle. Okay. Technically? He, yeah, he, he leads to my favorite to scene. He doesn't have anything to do in those scenes, though. No, he has nothing to do. He's just there. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's he's there. But I give I'm giving this movie a six out of ten. I'm contributing to the slightly too high rating that it has okay. on Letterboxd because I really think as an experience, this movie is kind of something. 
if you know to go into it expecting something that's going to be a little weird, mm-hmm. something that's a little off from your usual expectations. It's, yeah, you're sitting down and you're watching something that's kind of upsetting. Yeah. But like not in a, it's not me sitting down to watch Inside, the the oh, the fucking new French, French Extremity. Yeah, the new <gasps> French Extremity classic. Yeah. Yeah, you got to be ready going into that shit. I was that's, not, but I also oof. was. It was, I also have the American remake. We got to watch that sometime because I want to see how gutted it is. I got to watch the original first. I have that too. Yeah, I, I keep <laughs> meaning to watch that and like Martyrs because I feel like I... I should be familiar with them, right? right like, but at the same time, I'm like, God, I have such a rough track record with enjoying French movies mm-hmm. and especially movies from the new French extremity as like a genre because like yeah. uh, I, I've mentioned High Tension directed by mm-hmm. Alexander Aja a number of times on this show. It's like, it's got some shit going on in it, but it's not like good yeah. is the problem. You know, Alexander Aja has this thing where his shit looks really good, but nobody should let him touch characters ever because he doesn't get them, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get that. Not with him specifically, but I'm thinking of a few people that just, like, shouldn't be allowed to write people anymore because it's like, Mm. have you ever met a human? A lot of people think Rob Zombie is one of those people. Which is really funny because Rob Zombie is the master of creating a character. Because after every, House of a Thousand Corpses, y- yeah, yeah, big and big by, caveat when I say, there. When House I say of, a you character, can really I mean tell, like a caricature. You can really tell House of a Thousand Corpses was the first movie he ever made, and you can really tell from watching Devil's Rejects that he had five years in between making them to figure out what he actually wanted. Which is so funny because the movies were released a tight two years apart. Yeah, that's the thing. So House of a Thousand Corpses got filmed and whatnot in 2000 on that really rushed schedule that I was talking about before. Mm -hmm. And then the studio saw the finished product. Well, actually, on the way to finishing it, right? They ran out of money, so they shot an ending that sucked on purpose. Rob's plan being to show it to the studio and when the studio said um this sucks this this is cool and all but the ending sucks what's the deal with that so he at that point his idea was to say um that's because we ran out of money and if you give us a little bit more budget here's what i'm gonna do with it and it fucking worked and that's why dr satan looks so much more expensive than everything else in the goddamn movie that is so and that's also why you only get him for like two minutes that is so funny that's right people who haven't heard a synopsis of this movie yet there's a guy named dr satan yep (laughs) and he should be the whole movie let's i'm consistently angry that Mm. we don't get more of him hit me with um, your rating by the way yeah okay but like yeah just to to finish my timeline here real quick first after that happened the studio looked at the full finished product and they said we're really worried that the mpaa is going to give this an nc-17 we're going to shelve this for a little while Three years later, Rob Zombie was able to repurchase... Post 9-11. Three years later, Rob Zombie was able to repurchase the rights to it and release it through Lionsgate, cut down to the hour and a half that we see now. So that means it's there not it's not cramming for runtime. It's been cut down. What shit did this man pull from this movie? I can tell you some of the things that were cut. Hit me with some of it. After... I want to hear your rating. I have had such a hard time coming up with a rating for this, as I so frequently say, right? Mm-hmm. But this, this one is a really movie is that is actually bubble. really difficult to describe whether I like it or not. Because yeah. I cannot in good conscience say that it's good. No. I would not recommend it to almost anybody except as a curiosity for people who are ready for it, right? Mm-hmm. I can't hate it. 
No. Maybe it's just that I love Rob too much. Yeah. Maybe I give him too many allowances because I watch a movie that the guy who made all that music I like made, and I feel like that's something mm-hmm. my friend did, and I don't want to shit on it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, that's my pal who made Dracula. Leave him alone. <laughs> and what is this if not Dracula the movie, you know? Yep. I mean, but the Dracula is even it's featured even in the in movie. There. And you know he put that in there as a reference to his own goddamn song. You know he did. Also, he made the song House of a Thousand Corpses for the opening credits sequence of this movie. God damn it. Like, he puts so much into this of just, like, himself and all the things that he loves. And that's the reason it's such a hodgepodge of things, right? Because he just loves all that 50s, 60s, and 70s horror and monster movie shit. Mm-hmm. I got no idea how to rate this. I think I'm going to also give it like a six because it's like I I don't believe it to be a total loss. I don't think I'm going to watch you, it again. If you rate it a one, I get it, right? Yeah, it's kind of like VHS, right? If someone tells me that it's the worst movie they ever watched, I'm like, yeah, I, I get but it. Like, if someone tells only, me that they really loved it, I'm like, yeah, I get it. I will demand an ounce of respect for it in like what the fuck it is. Yeah. And for Nobody else one is doing this scene shit. specifically that I'm so excited to bring up in a second. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Me, so I think I, I think I'm also giving it a six as my, my final number there. Let me hit us with the spoiler. Yeah. Uh, which is honestly also really hard to do because what it's ends so up happening hard. is Spalding directs these kids after they go through his murder house the murder house has presentations on, um, what's his name? Albert Fish, who's Albert a, Fish. a sadomasochist cannibal murderer. Ed Gein. Um, Ed Gein, who everyone knows about Ed Gein. And then he starts talking about this guy named Dr. Satan. Yeah, Lizzie Borden was featured for like three seconds. There's a handful of things they, like, that they just kind of zip past, past her real quickly. And then the ride like, comes across Satan. The ride comes across as being like disappointingly short, which I think is yeah. really funny. Oh yeah, no, it <laughs> for feels how much it so gets short. hyped up. Especially when Spalding ends it with, all right, that's it. Exit about the door. Yeah, that's it. Gift shop. <laughs> yeah. And then the the Chris Hardwick guy goes and like convinces him to tell him because he said that Dr. Satan was a local guy. He was a master surgeon who worked at an insane asylum. Mm-hmm. Um, and he believed that he could create some sort of master race from the mentally ill, which makes no goddamn sense from any Nazi eugenicist angle. So... Uh, and Dr. Satan yep. spoilers is revealed to be German at the end of the movie. It's obvious that that's the indication Rob is trying to make because mm-hmm. Rob makes enough Nazi references in his music and stuff, not because he's into that, but because it's just something that's fucked up mm-hmm. and he likes referencing things that are fucked up. Yeah. You know, the Nazis that he references are werewolves, just to be clear. <laughs> like, you know, these aren't real Nazis. <laughs> what is that? That like fake trailer he shot? nazi lesbian werewolves uh, werewolf something. women of the ss he that actually made an entire short and that has sherry moon zombie in it as yep. one of the werewolf women of the ss i believe yep he wrote a song about that as well yeah it makes sense yeah <laughs> but yeah. um yeah he says that this was local to whatever area they are in and that a mob went and hanged dr satan from a tree and mm-hmm. the tree is not far from the place where you now sit dun, dun, dun. exactly you know what everyone says except this dude <laughs> believes it and he's like oh he's my god so into it's dr. not far satan. from here he literally he walks out and he's like dr satan <gasps> and dr. everyone satan. else is like chill dude it wasn't that good and he's like you don't have to play it down just in front of the girls come on that was the sickest thing that's ever happened to us and he's so no one agrees with him 
It's and his Spaulding fault that the also, entire rest of the movie happens. It's his fault that every element of the movie happens. Every he puts piece. in one or two dollars of gas. Yeah, and so that's why they, they need to, to get gas. Because he was like, do I look like I made a money? Touch me. Am I made a money? I couldn't afford to fill up a hole at the time. What was it? Ten dollars in gas to fill the tank? Go fuck yourself, man. Yeah, it was, it's 1977 that this movie is set in. Yeah. Surely three dollars would fill your tank. I didn't. Yeah. I don't know. That was 20 years before I was born, just about. So like, Right. Seems like gas was pretty cheap back and then. And he insists though. that they go and try and find Dr. Satan's, like, the Deadwood, they call it. The Deadwood. The, what a what a name. And none of his friends are into it. And Captain Spaulding, Spaulding also doesn't want to tell him. It. He's just like, listen, kid, it's a story. It's, Leave it alone. Just shut the fuck up and go away. Take your chicken and leave. I love the scene, though, like the just the the little moment when Captain Spaulding finally is like, fine, OK, I'll draw you a map. And he tells him the directions real quick, just draws a set of lines on a piece of paper, mm-hmm. hands it to him. And he says, yeah, now here, take your chicken. Don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. And the guy is still just so excited. And he's like, you're going to get a great write-up for this. Yeah. <laughs> and Spalding's just like, yeah. And this is And just also, about pushes him out the door. This is after Spalding has already, like, given them very scary vibes. Because he's like, oh, you think I'm a stupid country hick. And that's why you're writing about me, huh? You think we're too, too stupid to understand the joys of the big city. So you're trying to shine a light on our little poor country folk ideas of a good time and make fun of us. And... He's so scary in that he's scene. He's terrifying. He looks like he's about to kill them. And um, yeah. Um, uh, what do we, what do we refer to Dead and Lovely as? Um, uh, podcast we like. Yeah. Dead and Lovely. Yeah. Big fan um, of those guys. They talked about this, and they're like, you know, people need to when they say none of Rob's characters are real people. You got to get out more and meet a bunch of old cokeheads that live in the mountains because this is what they all act like yeah they think it's funny to make you think that they're gonna kill you yeah when they the think dead it's and lovely the guys joke. talk about this they're like i've met this dude like yeah like i've met half of these people actually mm-hmm. like uh, ben told a it was either ben or steve told a story about someone that they used to buy weed from and how like the house in this movie is very familiar from that experience because it's just like, well, yeah, that's where you go buy your really cheap weed and you just get out as fast as you can. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I'd love to own this house outside of all like the babies in jars. It's sick as hell. I mean, there's, it's just the one baby in the jar, isn't it? No, there's a couple in Otis's room. Oh, well, there's lots of things in Otis's room and I don't think I want any of them. No. Frankly. No. uh, Just too many corpses. Too many corpses. Too many. Approximately... It's like there's a lot of them. I don't know how many exactly, but there's like a lot of corpses in this house. House of a lot of corpses. That's what I would call this movie. I would call it the house with a whole bunch of corpses. (laughs) The bus that couldn't slow down. (laughs) So they head out to try and find the old Dr. Satan hanging tree, and they pick up a hitchhiker, and that's Sherry Moon Zombie. That's Sherry Moon Zombie. She's like, hey, chewing bubblegum, popping bubbles kind of vibe. Not and volunteering any information whatsoever. Like, she never says anything without being asked. And yeah. I know that it's a choice. This is one of the things that people hate about her and say that she's a bad actress for. Literally, her. that's the script. It's very what do you clear mean? that she was being instructed to do this, right? Yeah. She was not saying because she is playing a mysterious, hard to get flirt trying to get them all to her house. Yeah. She's like, Oh, my house is really close. And they're like, oh, we're actually looking for the Dr. Satan tree. And she's like, I know all about that. It's I right know where that is. House. It's near my house. Yeah. And then she gets in the car because they're going to take her. And they're like, so tell us about the dead one. She's like, what's that? 
And yeah. the girls are so mad that they picked her up because they're like, she clearly doesn't know anything. And they're like, no, no, no. And they're like, you know, the Dr. Satan dreams. Like, oh, yeah, it's near my house. It's heavily implied <laughs> that the guys both go along with whatever her bullshit is because she's hot. Yeah. And the oh, girls yeah. are really annoyed by this. Uh, oh, yeah. No, they're very, very annoyed about it. And then they get their tire shot out by um, baby's brother, RJ, Rufus Jr. RJ. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. just by the side of the road. He's about, out the tire. Yeah, he's about seven foot of muscle wearing a bear skin. He's wearing a bear skin. What the fuck? We never get any information about this guy. He's just like the coolest guy. He kind of is. He's just the coolest guy. Later in the movie when he just kicks the door open and goes, car's done. <laughs> yeah. It's great. But, you know, they end up, she's like, oh, my brother, he's a, he has a tow truck. So, you know, we'll, uh. I'll send him to go and get your car and he can get it all fixed up oh, for also, you. Also, the guy who was so interested in finding the hanging tree, it's revealed um, the reason they don't have a spare tire in the trunk oh is that he remembered to fill it up with air but then forgot to put it back in the trunk. And he had the gall to say, well, I did what you told me to do, bitch. This man. You. Mm, this fucking guy. This fucking guy. So... Rain Wilson and Sherry Moon go back to the house of many corpses. And she makes him some hot chocolate she with makes a lot some... of marshmallows in it because that's what makes it fun. That's what makes it fun. That's what she says. And Because he's waiting at the door and he's just like, oh, so where's your brother? And she's like, oh, he already left to go get your friends. He's been waiting outside the front door and didn't see anyone leave. And yeah. he's just like, he it has, left? It's been 10 seconds since yeah. she went in the back door. And then she drags him in and she steals his glasses and she's flirting with him. And he's really being like really uncomfortable about it. Obviously. She was so right to steal his glasses, though, because th- he look, looked so look... much prettier without his glasses. Well, and <laughs> the frames honestly do a lot for her face, actually. They do. It actually reminded me of Lords of Salem because she wears glasses. And actually, yeah. Sherman Zombie just has this thing where she looks really cute with glasses on. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> but yeah. You know, RJ tows the car and brings everyone back to the house. The girls are very mad that Baby is flirting with everyone. Baby also is pouting because she was turned down. I imagine she's she must not be used to that, I guess. She must not be. She's also very annoyed that her mom comes downstairs mm-hmm. and mom starts flirting harder with the guy that she wasn't flirting with. And she's doing great. And he's flirting back, much to the annoyance of his girlfriend. Yeah. She's pissed. And I love how Baby is just like rolling her eyes every time her mom talks. And her mom's like, when Baby, she, go get dinner she ready. she wasn't doing the exact same thing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> And she kicks her out to go prep the dinner table and she just throws the glasses back at Rain Wilson, whose girlfriend realizes that baby was wearing the glasses and is so mad. Understandably. Um, They eat their dinner. You know, everyone gets together. Uh, We're fast forwarding a little bit. You know, Tiny is introduced. You have to. Uh, Grandpa is introduced. But like Tiny, now hold on, we do have to get into what Mother Firefly describes as Tiny's backstory. She says he doesn't hear very good because of some damage that occurred to his ears during a fire. And she says that it's because of his dad, Earl. Mm -hmm. And everyone's like, hey, what the fuck did he do? And she's like, well, don't, you know, don't get me wrong. Earl wasn't like a bad guy or anything. He never hit me or anything. But like, you know, there was just this one time he tried to burn the house down with all of us inside it. And Tiny was in the room where he started the fire. And we get this flash back to when Earl was starting the fire. And he's dumping gasoline directly on Tiny. Yeah, 100%, just like drowning that boy in gasoline. And it's not clear from the story she tells what happened to Earl after that. And don't worry, it doesn't come back or anything. No, not at all. (laughs) But because of this, Tiny is covered in burn scars and he's mostly deaf. 
Yep. But he's huge and very, very strong. Yes. Great guy. Love Tiny. Cool dude. Hometown boy. Westchester, yeah. Pennsylvania. Not West actually Chester. hometown. I don't know where Westchester is. It's but about like, six yo, and a half hours from here. Pennsylvania. Hell yeah, Matthew McRory. R.I.P. R.I.P. What a guy. Yeah, his final his final performance in a movie was Devil's Rejects. And actually, the grandpa in this movie, Hugo, mm-hmm. he's played by um um shit, why can't I think of what his name was? Also, his final appearance in a movie. That's why he's sitting down for almost all of his scenes in this. I wondered why he wasn't in um, Devil's Rejects. It's because he actually was already dead by the time this got released. Because oh my of it God. getting shelved for three years. That's wild. Yeah. It makes his comedy routine really hit differently, doesn't it? Because after the dinner, everyone is made to put on masks in order to eat their dessert. Mm-hmm. And can't do that with your ask, regular walking faces. You can't do it with your everyday faces. Mm-hmm. And while this is happening, they ask questions about Dr. Satan, at which point Otis finally joins them at the table. Mm -hmm. Now, Otis, we have seen in a couple of isolated scenes up in his bedroom where he is terrorizing some kidnapped women. Yep. uh, Just ranting at them about how he's important and other such Charles Manson-ish things. Mm -hmm. He has now finally joined the rest of the family at the dinner table for dessert, and he has brought, I assume, the preserved embryo of like a sibling of his i assume yeah um because mother firefly kisses the jar and stuff and it's like i know it's later implied that otis was like uh adopted into the family mm-hmm. um which makes me wonder about like how related any of them are actually but like whatever it also makes a lot of their routines make more sense yeah. if they're not blood relatives uh, it makes you more comfortable maybe a little shall bit. i say it's not, not fully good. comfortable, but not like, yeah. Anyways, though, we'll yeah. get to that. So they're asking questions about Dr. Satan. Otis shows up and he's like, I know everything about what you're asking about. And it's better off if you just don't know. And they, of course, don't take that for an answer. And Otis very rightly says, I bet you would stick your head in a fire if I told you that you could see hell, which is a great fucking it's line. It's a great line. This is the stuff that I love about Otis. He's mm-hmm. just always got these really raw lines about this shit. Yeah. So... They he, do their, they start to do their routine. Yeah, he stalls them uh, from finding out about Dr. Satan. And then Grandpa Hugo gets up and says, it's showtime. And they all head to the barn. There's like a big, like, it's showtime, like, uh, title card pops up. The The directing oh, yeah. style, it's very obvious what Rob is shooting for is kind of like a Tarantino kind of thing, right? It's Just a t- with a different set of influences feeding into it. It's a Tarantino thing, and then also it is you rounding a corner in the funhouse where a big yeah. light-up billboard that says it's showtime with chaser lights going around And if you've happening. seen a Rob Zombie music video, it's going to be very familiar because a lot of the way that this is directed is very music video director-type choices. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it takes us out to the barn where grandpa is doing this. Uh, I, I guess it's supposed to be a comedy routine. You can tell because he's stomping his foot and pointing and being loud that it's a comedy routine. And the Chris Hardwick guy is laughing his ass off for some reason. Yeah, No one else is. No laughing. one else is remotely amused because nothing that he's saying is funny. It's just disgusting, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, and then baby goes up and she, and she just, does like a drag lip sync performance kind of it's not drag it's not really drag because she's a woman dressed as a woman but it's very much a drag kind of look it kind of and is. it is a lip syncing performance yeah it's a betty boop song yeah and she starts to like 
pantomime being all flirty with the boys. And also with a mannequin that's sitting in a chair next to them, which yep. is really funny to me. It is. But the girls are not down with this. Obviously. Uh, to the point where one of them actually throws hands and almost she throws her down onto the ground, calls her a whore. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then baby pops up and pulls a switchblade and says, I'm going to cut your tits off and make you eat them. Now, the dress that she's wearing, <laughs> where the fuck was that knife? Uh, same place that links bombs and arrows and swords hide. <laughs> okay. Baby is canonically on the same level as Link, is what you're saying. Yeah. A I bag think, of holding you know what, hiding I, right I behind her. I don't doubt that she could defeat Ganondorf, actually. Yeah. But she would get distracted seducing Zelda, I think. Would she seduce Zelda? Based on... I don't think Thousand Corpses' baby would do that. Fair. I think Devil's Reject's baby might. Devil's, Re Devil's Reject's baby might not be able to... Uh, kill ganondorf actually i don't think that she could i think devil's rejects otis could though and could corpses, and would. he could corpses otis would not he would uh, devil's not. rejects otis he would, would but he see couldn't. ganondorf as a stand-in for captain spaulding and he would kill him on sight <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> um anyways so baby threatens to stab this girl well she threatens to cut her tits off mm -hmm. is what she says yep but mother firefly stops her and says remember what i told you and gets cut off as well the kids when, decide to leave yep because that's when rj kicks the door open saying tire's done and yeah they decide because they can leave they're going to leave just as fast as they can and they do. And then they are stopped by a gate and they are captured. They drive past a bunch of crosses with what appears to be roughly crucified corpses. Maybe. Maybe. They might be dummies and scarecrows and such. Mm -hmm. But it's a bunch of crucifixions that they're driving past. And then they get stopped by, what, Tiny and Otis and some other people? Yeah, Tiny and Otis. And they it. get dragged and out of their car. I kind of assumed that it was the the two goons from Spaulding's. Oh, probably, yeah. You know, the guys uh, in the big masks. Ravelli and the other guy. The giant, like, uh, like uh, Anton LaVey-looking ass masks. Yeah. Yeah. Which, actually, they use one of his poems, Anton LaVey. Uh, oh from <laughs> Anton oh, LaVey, who uh, might be known for uh, to some of our listeners as the, the founder of the church's Satan. <laughs> is is that the uh, the eulogy that Otis reads? No, it's oh, okay. um, we'll get to it. OK, um, so I'm going to I'm going to fast forward some of this movie now. Yeah. So because... cut to the morning. Rain Wilson is dead. He's been made into a fish boy merman fish boy. thing mm -hmm. uh, by Otis, who is showing uh, a little bit more of his like artistic side, which is another one of those holdovers from uh, the hitchhiker from TCM. Mm hmm. Um, he's actually very excited because these kids are his first stroke of uh, artistic genius in ages. Yeah, he says that he's had a significant dry spell up to this point. Mm -hmm. And so he's glad over that he's the moon. That. So oh, happy. He's for so him. happy. <laughs> but let's see. Um, the the one girl's parents uh, definitely notice that they are not around because, right, they're, because she they're called fucking him. missing. <laughs> she called her dad from a payphone and told him that they were at a place called Spaulding's outside Ruggsville. Mm -hmm. And he remembered that. And when they never showed up, he calls the cops near Ruggsville and says, you know about Spaulding's? And the cop's like, yeah, I know Spaulding's. I'll go check on him. He doesn't say it like that. But they the, go he and they almost check, does, though. And Spaulding doesn't want to talk to him. And they kind of like lean on him a little. And he's just like, listen, 
The kids came in and I fed them a bunch of that tired Dr. Satan crap. You know, tourist shit. That's all I did. Yeah, and then he's and like, then, they and, wanted to know about the tree and I drew him a map and I bet they got lost is what happened. Yeah, he's very pissy about it. He's like, what are you coming at me for? I didn't do anything. The, the man with two rotting bodies in his murder house, for sure, because he kills two people at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, we see it happen and he's still cleaning up after that when... Uh, the rest of our characters show up to the place. Mopping in his giant clown shoes. So funny. I love that he's wearing the makeup and the shoes and regular clothes because mm-hmm. the murdering got blood on his favorite clown suit. <laughs> so it's in the wash. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Uh, but yeah. This movie. So then we get to my favorite scene of the movie uh, where the cops show up at the Firefly house eventually. Yeah. Right? With the girl's dad because they they find the car. Right. But the car has a corpse in it. And it's one of the missing cheerleaders from weeks ago that we've heard about earlier. trick or treat carved into her skin. Mm hmm. Yep. And I was it trick or treat or was it treat or trick? I think it might have been backward. Uh, you know what? I think I was looking at it like it's like if you're going left to right, it says treat or trick. But if you're going up to down, it says trick or treat. So it's like yeah, you got to okay. pick what direction you're reading in. Cool. And this ties into the whole like Halloween thing because Mother Firefly has this whole thing where she's talking to them and she's like, uh, nobody's ever too old for the simple pleasures of Halloween. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's the... Rob Zombie looking directly into the camera. <laughs> yeah, really. And the characters are like, we're too old for Halloween. And she's like, I hope something changes your mind. The way that like, you know, some old lady might be about Jesus, mm-hmm. which I find very funny. And then she changes their mind about Halloween by murdering them. <laughs> that'll teach you isn't this fun the simple pleasures of a halloween nobody's too old for that <laughs> surely you will not regret the simple pleasures of halloween <laughs> you won't have time but uh Wydell and his and nash 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 who's played Nash-ish. by walton goggins uh n-a-i-s-h yeah Wydell, sheriff Wydell, and uh the girl's dad ex-cop show up to the firefly house nash and dad go around back while Wydell distracts mother firefly showing her pictures and she starts showing him like a baby book and they're just like chatting that's just what she does and he's just like oh yeah yeah trying to trying to figure out anything he can but he doesn't seem to think it's them but then nash and the dad open up the fucking shed out back and And it's full of corpses it's full of corpses it's a a shed of about 10 corpses shed of about 10 corpses (laughs) and one of them also is alive and i don't think it's his daughter i think it's the other girl but it might be his daughter um it's not any of our oh oh, that's no that's right because the daughter was down they're all they're all elsewhere having other things yeah it's one of the cheerleaders yeah um but then unfortunately we've been for them, getting scenes showing us the cheerleaders like dying one by one yeah. and still being like chained together and like all this shit mm-hmm. while baby was preparing for her show there's a scene where she's like you guys are cheerleaders but you haven't done anything to lift my spirits since you showed up and then it's <laughs> so funny she, give me a b <laughs> give, give me an a, a. give me a b give, give me a y, a y. What's, what's that, that spell? spell what's, what's that, that spell <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's literally the Walter uh, White. You're goddamn right. She is so Walter White in that scene. Actually, yeah, baby. She's just like someone right. opens the door and gets shot, and you think that of me? No, I am the one who knocks. God. 
<laughs> Meanwhile, Otis is just like sitting in a in a fucking easy chair in the corner, gripping the armrest, staring at her while she talks because he's just so angry at the world. How can I arrive a leader of the rebellion from a conformist society? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh. um, uh. but unfortunately, Nash makes the mistake of calling in that there's a problem and Wydell tries to answer and gets shot in the head by Mama Firefly. And then Otis, uh, he kills the girl's dad. This is the first time you see Otis in daylight and you realize how fucking pale he is. Yeah. Not only is his hair white, but his skin is pure white. His eyes are yellow. The whites of his eyes also yellow. He mm -hmm. is, once again, such a goddamn gremlin. He's yeah. disgusting. Rob decided to make him not an albino in... Um, well, he's not the an albino rejects. in this either, because the no, irises of his eyes are like yellow. No, but he's supposed to be albino in this uh, one. He's okay. not in the next one because he wanted people to take the movie more seriously. And sure. he thought having Otis be an albino would distract from the serious tone he was trying to convey. He does have a pit of despair, though. He does have a pit of despair. Mm. But <laughs> there's this is my favorite scene of the movie. And this is where the movie could end. Just right here at the one There's hour and one minute point. There's a number of points where the movie feels as though it could very easily just hit the credits and be done. There is. This is. It one is of them. a full, almost a full sixty second as the camera floats back above yeah. this yard while Otis has pointed a gun at Nash's head, making him like gun radio down, hands behind his head, kneeling, kneeling in front of him, and he holds it. And holds it while I will remember you plays it. in the background. Yeah, as and it, it just pans as it pulls back, and back, and back and back, and then he shoots him, and it's like holding on this moment because of tension. Because it's held for so for long, so you expect him to not long. kill him right there, but then he does, and it stays just long enough for us to see him hit the dirt, and then it moves. Yeah, fun fact here. Mm -hmm. This entire movie was shot in various locations on the Universal backlot, right? That makes sense. The neighborhood that's shown where the the like dad lives is the the neighborhood that Leave It to Beaver was filmed in, which is insane. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, and you know Rob loved that. Oh, you know. Okay, but like tours on fucking buses roll through the Universal backlot all the time. Oh my god! While Someone they were watched... filming these scenes where Otis is out there killing the cop. There were times while they were filming these outdoor scenes of the house that a tour would just roll through because Universal didn't stop the tours for this particular production. As they shouldn't, frankly. Like, this is right. not a movie they were worth like, stopping your tours This is Rob for. Zombie's project. We're just, we're not prioritizing him Literally, enough. Literally, they'll, keep they'll the point him out and be like, this is the Rob Zombie movie coming. Literally. A tour would roll through and like do a stop where they talk about the history of the house and what other projects it's been used in and stuff. And literally the entire everyone working on House of a Thousand Corpses had to just sit there and wait for the tour to keep moving so they could keep shooting. I'm so glad that this trivia did not end with the tour watching Otis execute a man in the middle of a lot. That would be way funnier. That's what I was expecting this to build into. I'm not going to lie. I don't know about that, whether that happened or not, but I do know they had to interrupt shooting multiple times because tours were coming through and they just couldn't do anything about it. And then from that is, I think that's the highlight of the movie. That is the scene of the movie. Oh, oh no. No, not at all. We haven't even gotten to Dr. Satan yet. That is the Dr. second Satan, highlight of the movie. When I think of what this movie should have been, I'm like, Dr. Satan should have been the movie. When you see that guy, it's like, oh, we've been getting ripped off this whole movie because he hasn't been here the his, whole time. Him and his big, like, 
mechanical puppet arms. Yeah, but we're going to get to okay. it. We're going to get to it. But okay, the, so... But everything that leads up to Dr. Satan, not as worth talking not about. Not nearly as good. Honestly, though, I think this is the point where the movie gets good. I think the, the, the last third of the movie is where it's doing its strongest work, and I've got a very strong theory as to why that is. Okay. Uh, I told oh, is this you, where the budget kicked in? The budget thing, yeah. <laughs> they shot a, an ending that sucked on purpose because they ran out of money. And I think you can see the points where it's something that got filmed after they were given a pile of money. And I think you can see... Oh, Otis's big-ass where... robe with dynamic angles. Yeah, okay, I'm starting to well, see Well, actually, <laughs> I think the like funeral pyre scene and stuff, I think that's actually all parts of the ending that sucked. Because that's kind of interspersed with the Dr. Satan cave scenes. Yeah. But we haven't described that for the listeners yet. Okay, so we get this little montage music video bit where all of our surviving, the three of our surviving characters are all like tied to this spinning, hanging thing in the living room in the house with all the corpses, however many, I don't know. Who knows? And the family is gathered around. Some of them are in costumes. Hugo is dressed as a samurai for some reason. Of but course he is. Mother and baby are both wearing these like white robey dresses. And we've got this like intercut with these like montage scenes of Otis preparing the skin of the one girl's dad as a costume for himself to wear. Mm -hmm. And he starts walking down the stairs reciting this like poem. I'm the one who brings the Christmas candy. Who's your daddy? I'm the one who brings the devil's brandy who's your dad and then like mother and baby both start saying the who's your daddy part mm -hmm. while he keeps going and he ends with a couple of the worst lines in the poem where he says like i'm the one who loves you when you're fucking dead which is like oh, okay that's you, the rob zombie the christmas part. <laughs> candy the devil's brandy those are hard lines mm -hmm. and i like them and it just goes nowhere but downhill from there but the 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 long and short of it is he's wearing this girl's dad's skin including his face mm-hmm and he kind of like, you know, gets up in her face and like tries to kiss her and then finally takes off the dad face and they start talking about other. He says something else there, doesn't he? The, but what matters is all three of them are like uh, gagged and wearing these like fluffy rabbit costumes. Yeah, like very Christmas story. Very Christmas story. It's just that they're white and not pink. But yeah. then they take them outside out back and they tell them to climb into this coffin that they've got. Yep. And they don't want to. And the one surviving guy is like, uh, you know, they take the gag off him and he's like, please just let us go. Please let us live. We won't tell anyone, blah, blah. And everyone laughs at him as as, as makes the most sense, honestly. Yeah, frankly, like, I also would. It's like, What man, position is he in to bargain here? Come on. He's in no position to bargain. He's wearing he's... a rabbit costume. He doesn't even have dignity here. Like, Yeah, uh, he's literally the reason the movie happened. I understand happened. <laughs> him saying it. Oh, yeah. Because like, Jesus, can you imagine being in that situation, going through the things that they've all gone through at this point? Jesus. Um... But uh, Rufus Jr. picks him up and throws him down into the casket really hard because he's just sick of him killing time. And one of the girls gets free and runs away. And Otis is going to just shoot her. But Baby says, no, no, let me let me go get her. And he's like, yeah, all right, go. And Baby mm -hmm. just chases her and stabs her to death yep. a million times. <laughs> While we get this intercut with a uh, like a sideways cut of Otis just being very redneck and talking about how hunting humans ain't no different from hunting rabbits because all they do is run. And then he says, run rabbit too many times. And uh, 
the girl's dead and they make the other girl uh, what are either of their names one of them is named mary i didn't write either of them down i think i wrote i think she's the one that baby kills i think each of the characters names apart from the firefly family i think each of the characters names are said exactly like once right at the beginning um but anyways they they put her into the casket with uh the other guy and um they put the lid on it and they lower it down into this pit a pit full of like despair you might say um and once they've lowered it down it's very clear that there's this like bubbling water and mud at the bottom and a cave that leads off the side and they close the door over the pit and through this kind of smaller door in the larger door Otis lowers a single lantern and a tape player that is repeating a couple of lines from a poem by Anton Jandor LeVay. It's called The Poet. And the line that's repeating is, bury me in a nameless grave. And there's like another line that plays a couple of times, but then bury me in a nameless grave uh, just repeats a bunch of times. And I think it's like slowing down a little bit gradually, kind of like the, the, the battery on the player is like starting to die or something. Yeah. And it's super freaky. And then these like monster boys start popping up out of the mud at the bottom and the characters are freaking out and they climb out and they get to the like cave as the casket like sinks down into the mud. And then, oh, there's more monster boys in the cave and they take the guy away. And now it's just the girl by herself. And then these creepy old men come back and they're wearing the dude's like rabbit suit and she's really, really scared, and they go and they rip the rabbit suit off of her, revealing that she's now wearing this, like, Alice in Wonderland dress. Yeah, I think it's the same dress that they had her uh, wearing in Otis's room. Oh, was she wearing it in Otis's room? Okay. Yeah. Or in Tiny's basement room, I should say. In Tiny's basement yeah, room, when right. Yeah, when like, face-painted with the same kind of look as Spalding, actually. I forget about that scene, where Tiny she's was just wearing in a the basement with says, Tiny. And his shirt says, cheap-ass Halloween costume. Which is very funny. Frankly, every, here's, the, here's the thing. Every one of Rob Zombie's characters is the kind of guy who thinks Rob Zombie's characters are the coolest guys on planet Earth. Oh, totally. In a bad way. Yeah. Right? Like, all the guys that says, Jesus loves you, but I don't, go fuck yourself. And, like, that shirt. I've seen a lot of people in that shirt. I think this movie Um, is perfect for people who love catching little moments and details, but completely miss any larger overarching theme. Yeah, like, people who miss the point of the movie. This is a movie, We, for as much as we're saying here, we're skipping over 80% of the movie. Yeah, because it's all just in these little irrelevant details. It's yeah. a movie that is entirely an aesthetic experience. It's hard to talk with about no in actual that way. themes. Okay, so but she's now wandering through these caves wearing this uh, Alice in Wonderland dress, and she ends up walking through what I think is one of the coolest sets, mm-hmm. uh, not just in this movie, but in any movie. It's the corpse hallway. It's almost like this, this the, house has a ton of corpses in it. There's got to be at least a dozen. There's got to be like a, a ton of them. It's at least a hundred, I think. House of a hundred corpses. Yeah, I would call it that. The, maybe maybe two hundred corpses. Yeah, probably. It's got. It, I, I wouldn't doubt that it's two hundred. House of you know? at least two hundred. House corpses. of at least two hundred corpses. Yeah, it's so it's it's this really long winding hallway, and it doesn't have offshoots or anything. It's not a maze. No, it's, it's just, just a, a long winding hallway with corpses just lined up the whole way down both walls. And she is so freaked out as she's going through this. And then she ends up opening this big ass door into a room that is decorated with femurs and skulls all over everywhere. And it looks fucking sick. Looks so good. And then she opens another door and who should be there but Dr. fucking Satan. Dr. Satan. Oh my God. Looking a lot like the Crypt Keeper on steroids. 
The Crypt Keeper. What's that from? Um, from uh, Tales from the Crypt. Oh, I have not seen Tales from the Crypt. Uh, don't tell anyone. I haven't either. But look at this guy. Oh, you yeah, give that guy a medical like that. mask and that's Dr. Satan. He looks kind of like that. Yeah. So he's got like no hair on him. He's got like an oxygen mask on. He's got this like... It looks almost like uh, like puppet controlly marionette kind of things, like you know, robotic uh, apparatus supporting him mm-hmm. in all of his movements, and he's speaking German, and he is vivisecting the Chris Hardwick guy, mm-hmm. and, who who then dies while uh, while she watches, and Doctor Satan calls, dun dun dun, Earl, who shows up wearing this like bone armor, and he's got this weird to his face he's got this mask on and goggles and an axe in hand yep and dr satan tells him to get her and she runs off and earl chases her and chop basically collapses the tunnel trying to kill her Mm -hmm. because he like chops down a couple of like beams that are holding up the ceiling tunnel collapses earl dies it appears that the girl also dies but then she wakes up later is able to crawl up through a hole out uh into the daylight Mm -hmm. where she is then picked up on the side of the road by captain fucking spaulding who's cruising down the road in his convertible and at the time obviously spaulding we know he's a bad guy but this is our first reveal to know that he actually is working fully with these guys yeah that he's involved with them at all Uh, um and he yeah he kind of plays it cool with her for a second and he's like oh man what happened to you and she's like i need a doctor and he's like i'm gonna get you to a doctor and then otis is in the back seat and we get the doctor is dr satan (laughs) and we get a cut to her on dr satan's table screaming and the credits roll yep what a fucking movie what a fucking movie and that's the last 30 minutes of this movie goes so hard it could have yeah. ended in the yard scene i have a note in here it could like have when ended i like say it could have ended points. when otis shot the deputy i totally did forget about dr satan oh yeah it's and, easy to forget because he's such a small part of the movie right but he's mm-hmm. the coolest part is the problem okay so i want to pitch you my idea for the best possible execution of this movie Because obviously it's got some very serious problems. Of course. Not least of which being it doesn't know what it is. Yeah, that's a big one. This is a movie that can't decide which movie it is. And the the whole thing literally, when you watch it knowing it was supposed to be Rob Zombie's Haunted Fun Times ride. It makes sense. The whole movie immediately slots into place. And then you have a couple of like standout scenes where he's like, and then I'm going to cinema really yeah. just hard all over the place here. hard i'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna cinema, cinema everywhere so hard. <laughs> okay so busting fat cinema everywhere <laughs> <laughs> so um hollywood steve from dead and lovely uh said that unironically he thought this movie should have been titled like the firefly family variety hour or something like that because that is very much kind of what it's going for mm-hmm And if it leaned into that kind of an idea, here's my pitch. This movie should commit wholeheartedly to being an anthology. We should get a short about Baby, and we should get a short about Captain Spaulding, and we should get a short about Otis, and we should get a short about Dr. Satan. As if that's not what we already got. It's so close, right? It's already so close to what we're getting, but I want the movie to know that that's what it's doing. Yeah, and that's, that's, I guess that's the problem, right? Is this movie is, it is what it is. But what the fuck is that, you know? Uh, yeah but i don't know i leave the movie and i'm not mad i watched it right right 
unless you went in expecting a good movie, which no. like that's kind of on you. I think point, last time honestly. I watched this movie, I rated it a five. I ended up bumping it up an entire half just because it is so much better to watch. I feel like if I was given two months to turn out a workable movie, I would not make something this good. I wouldn't make something uh, not even. I would this make good. something this can. Like, I could more make consistent something than this. I think I could make like, something this good, and I think whatever I made would not have the cultural impact this movie had. For sure. When this movie came out, people hated it, just to be clear. Yeah. And it's actually really funny to hear Rob Zombie talk about this because he's like, oh, yeah, when House of a Thousand Corpses came out, everyone hated it. But every movie that I've put out since then, people say, oh, man, he peaked with House of a Thousand Corpses. And he's just been chasing that ever since. And it's like, well, no, nobody thought that when it came out. So pick a side. Just quit being a hater. Literally. (laughs) People really are mad at Rob Zombie for making movies, it seems like. And I, I get that, like... I don't know. People people get mad when they see someone trying to be successful in multiple areas, like multiple artistic media, you know, and I feel like that's just not fair to people like Rob Zombie, because like you want to judge him exclusively by this movie. That's not very fair to him. He has other movies out and stuff like you want to judge by this movie. Sure, it's not good. But literally with the very next thing that he made, he was so, so, so much better. Jeff, do you mind if I surprise you with something here? What are you going to surprise me with? Well, I know we said we were going to talk about House of a Thousand Corpses today. We did say that, and we have already we, been talking We have talking done about that. It. But what if I threw a wrench in the works? What if we turned this episode into House of a Thousand Rejects? Damn. We've talked about Devil's Rejects a lot so far. We have a good bit, and it feels like it makes sense to just embrace that as part of the podcast at this point. And I, I hate to tell you this, but I did actually already do an entire write-up on it because uh, uh, <laughs> I took notes when I watched this one, too. <laughs> Hot damn, that is a long and, by the looks of it, scathing review from Roger Ebert. Oh, uh, don't look at that. <laughs> okay, I will look somewhere else. <laughs> I Also, for... Corpses, I have this little excerpt from the Devil's Rejects uh, review. Oh, yeah. Uh, where Ebert says, Devil's Rejects has been written and directed by Rob Zombie, also known as Robert Cummings and Robert Wolfgang Zombie, a composer and music video producer whose The House of a Thousand Corpses was a Texas Chainsaw Massacre wannabe. That's fair. It's fair. And... Uh, he's kind of mean but it's fair he's kind of mean about it he's like and uh, if that doesn't tell you everything you need to know i don't know what to tell you but you know having seen the movie multiple times here Mm -hmm. that doesn't do it justice it doesn't do it justice (laughs) it's It's true it's a correct statement it is not fully true of the movie though. also it's more of a texas chainsaw 2 than it is one it's sort of doing both it's kind of doing both in a lot of ways Rob says that they didn't intend for House of a Thousand Corpses to be as much of a comedy as it is. And if you're listening to this description saying, how the fuck is that a comedy? This is one of the things that gets lost in yeah, telling like and not when watching. When we it. tell you this, like uh, anything about this, you're not seeing Captain Spaulding turn on a dime. And frankly, here's the thing. Laughing makes people think things are funny. Spaulding laughs a lot. Spaulding Grandpa laughs, laughs pretty a frequently. Lot. You know, well, baby like, laughs a there's lot. There's the whole scene where like Rain Wilson's character is asking him like, well, how long have you uh, been running this place? And he's like, how long's well, a piece of string? <laughs> yeah, how long's a piece of string? Like, and Rain Wilson says, don't I don't know. And he's perfectly awkward about this. Mm-hmm. Too damn long. But, oh, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, ah, yeah, but, but for how real, long, how for long? Real, and he's like, I don't know. 
a long time. <laughs> yeah, like I love that scene because I love that interaction. You know, like it's I feel like a lot of what Rob goes for, and this kind of goes back to the thing the Dead and Lovely guys were talking about with mm -hmm. him, right? I feel like a lot of what Rob does with his characters and his interactions between them and stuff is that he wants to bring some representation to a kind of people who are not seen in Hollywood fully. Yeah. Because like, you know, like the whole like, uh, for lack of a better term, trailer trash deal that he's doing here mm -hmm. is something that doesn't get represented anywhere because lots of times it isn't perceived as being fun or interesting to watch. But like th 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 these people exist. Yep. They exist. And, and here, Rob's showing them off for us. Somebody needs to do it. Someone needs to make sure that they get shown in something. Especially because, and I think this is a good thing, that type of oh, person... Oh, I 100% think this is a good thing, just to be clear. The, no, what I'm saying is that type of person is kind of dying out. Yeah, like, people I think like that's that a lot of what Rob is thinking. Don't exist in the same way that they used to. Uh, and a lot of that is, I've, I've said this a lot this week. Uh, it's to gotten less people. cool to joke um, about murdering people. <laughs> it's because of the internet. More mm. people are aware of more things and realize, oh, this is not cool and normal. Yeah. And people have moved away from that kind of attitude. Mm. And obviously there's, everyone is going to be able to point out like six or seven people that are actually bad, 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 Sure. Yeah. Okay. But it's not like it, they're all old. You yeah. don't see a lot of young yeah. people like this, which well, is like, kind of nice. And and uh, what a lot of it has to do with is that so many movies are made by rich people who grew up as rich people or in the vicinity of rich people. Mm -hmm. And that's why like so much just uh, so much Hollywood shit just comes across so samey. Everyone has the same face. Everyone's got mm -hmm. that like, you know, that California actor face. Yep. And one of the things that I love about Rob Zombie's movies is he hires people who look like regular people. They all look everyone in these all these movies look like regular people. Yeah. It's great. They are regular ass Fucking, looking uh, people. Goober, the liquor store employee. I he's tell in, you what, um, of all the goofy ass non sequitur scenes, the buying liquor at the red hot pussy liquor store yeah. is one of my favorites. <laughs> the pornography and alcohol spot. It's so clearly just a scene that was put in there because Rob had that song that he wanted to play in the background and Sherry had those like assless jeans to wear in the scene. Yeah. It's very obvious that that's all that's there for, but you know what? The scene plays fun enough that I don't care. Yeah, I love it. She's just like, thanks, Goober. And he's like, oh, actually, it's a G-Ober. G, G for Jerry Ober. <laughs> uh, but the new guy in the back, he put in an extra O. And she's so like, says, Goober. good story, Goober. <laughs> How much do I owe you? <laughs> I like to get fucked up and do fucked up shit. <laughs> yeah, I like to get fucked up, too. Yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> I love the way she says that. Just like, yeah, I bet you do. Ah. <laughs> uh, here so, you are, Goober. Buy yourself a new name tag. <laughs> but you know that, and he's just wearing this like fishnet shirt. Yeah, it's a fishnet fucking white. Beater. And the place is lit exclusively by like this bright pink neon. It's great. I love it. I love it. It's there for absolutely no goddamn reason, as so much of this movie is. Now, before we get going on Devil's Rejects here, I'm just gonna mm -hmm. hit you with a couple of things that got cut out of House of a Thousand Corpses. Hit me with this deletion. Now, when we were talking about the content warnings, I mentioned the necrophilia scene, which is, of course, the scene where Baby is uh, apparently having sex with uh, what appears to be a skeleton. Yep. 
This was shot, um, this and a lot of those uh, little cutaways were shot by Rob with a like handheld 16 millimeter film, like oh, home camera. Actually, because that's, that's the feel that he wanted is it to 16 have. 16 or was it 8? I think it said 16. Because I, I know this is a thing that he does with all of his filming, right? He but, loves to shoot in a low film grade and blow it up to make it look crusty. Yeah. Okay. So, but with the cutaways, he does this to an extra degree by using like an old shitty handheld camera as well. Mm -hmm. And this is how he made the title sequence and a lot of the little cutaways because that's like the feel that he wanted them to have and also because like principal photography was already finished so he didn't have access to the better <laughs> equipment hey can i borrow a camera real quick fuck off so okay <laughs> the scene where baby is have the the cutaway where baby is having sex with that skeleton mm -hmm was originally a lot longer and more explicit and ended up getting cut out of the movie by Lionsgate um, when he repurchased the rights and went to release it. And I'm I'm going to be brave and say it. I think Rob might have just wanted that footage for other reasons. I don't think he ever expected that shit to get into the movie. No, probably not. Um, also, though, there is that one cutaway that we haven't mentioned at all because it goes nowhere and has no connection to anything where this guy is talking about the skunk ape that had impure relations with his wife. Oh, that guy. I, see, yes. When you said that guy, I thought you were about to talk about my favorite cutaway with Louis Dover, the Jesus freak. I got no quarrel with Louis Dover. Love Louis Dover. I, I, I think he is perfectly fine as a presence in the movie for the brief, brief time that he is there. But yeah, a guy whose Bigfoot yeah. had impure relations with his wife. Okay, so the skunk ape... Oh, was I'm sorry, a, not Bigfoot. Skunk ape. Illegally distinct. Skunk ape is just another term for Bigfoot from people who uh, claim to have contact with it. They say that it smells terrible and it roots through your garbage and such. Anyways. Damn, I wonder what that could possibly be. Definitely not Any number of other animals. <laughs> <laughs> um, the skunk ape was apparently a greater presence in the movie originally. Uh, you know, and that's honestly. I'm glad it got cut. I wish it got cut fully. I didn't mind it as a weird vignette moment because I was fully into the movie's oh, this rolling is, at that point. Yeah, right? the movie's rolling, and I'm like, and this is the side attraction as Rob changes gears. Yeah, it's just kind of like as yeah, we right, round whatever. another turn of the sure. house, and like it that balance is kind of okay with like the little cutaways that we get when new characters are introduced. Lots of times, you can tell he's kind of shooting for the Tarantino ish, like everyone gets their little scene and title card thing, you know. Um, cause like Otis gets that and baby gets that captain Spalding kind of gets that, you know, um, here's another plot thing though. Hugo, the grandpa, mm -hmm. there was originally a plot thread where he was actually Dr. Satan. So when the kids are asking questions at the dinner table and Otis doesn't want to tell them about Dr. Satan and it's... grandpa says they want to know about Dr. Satan. So enlighten them while he's still got a mouthful of pie mm -hmm. that's. When that line is said, it's the because plot he's is Dr. convinced. Satan. <laughs> yeah, that is written with the plot thinking that he is actually Dr. Satan saying that. And I would really, really like to see how that ending actually plays out. That's so funny. For as much and as I love the Dr. Satan that we get. I'm right? glad it didn't happen, but that it's is probably really good. better off. Right. But yeah, that's that's some stuff that got cut out. Some of it, I think wow. we could have just cut harder. Some of it, I wish we could have had a little bit more of it. Some of it, I'm like, what, what, what's, what's, why do we need a necrophilia scene, Rob? <laughs> I get, I understand what you're shooting for here, but what do you need to show us so much of it for? Why'd you want to show more? God, it, it it's is... weird. It's just weird. Yeah. <laughs> 
So Devil's Rejects, though. Devil's Rejects. The blatantly superior movie, dare I say. Wildly superior movie. So much better. It's working off a lot of the same ideas and just doing way, 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 way better with them. It's so clear that he had an extra five years to actually know what he wanted to do with it and with the characters. And it's very clear also that the actors involved all had more time to work on what they were doing with the characters. Bill Mosley especially, I think. Oh, yeah. No, Otis is a much more focused character in this yeah he's really on some shit with otis in devil's rejects whereas it kind of seems like he was just doing shit in house of a thousand corpses yeah captain spaulding is perhaps the most consistent yeah captain spaulding didn't change he was already almost perfect ultimately you know (laughs) 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 fucking rip sid Haig. that sucks man honestly honestly what a guy um how, the Devil's Rejects is a movie that opens up with the Firefly Firefly family getting caught by the cops. It takes place a year after House of a Thousand Corpses, 1978 now. Mm-hmm. It has an opening that has a, a little um, like voiceover thing that's even more Texas Chainsaw than anything that happened in House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah, it's all, all it's missing is that like scary flashbulb sound. Yeah. <laughs> The voice that's doing the voiceover could stand to be a little bit more John Larroquette. Mm-hmm. It could. But that's like whatever. Yeah. It's a good little thing where it talks about the Firefly family. And then we walk in and you may remember. It's the raid occurring. You may remember basically. Sheriff Wydell who got capped by Mama Firefly. Surprise, surprise. There's another one. There's <laughs> another one. It's his little brother it's... who is at least 100% less stable than... Uh, rock of justice sheriff Wydell from thousand corpses yeah original Wydell <laughs> really seemed like kind of a regular cop type. he was just a guy but whereas this not guy Wydell is just too. like he's got the cop dial cranked up the whole way when they're lining up to get ready to do the raid the one guy says something about trying not to die and what Wydell says is an immense amount of cop talk but the meaning of the phrase like the the entire meaning of it boils down to dying's not an option because then you'll be dead yeah he says something about getting toe tagged and sent home in a plastic bag and it all like rhymes like four times and shit but yeah Ultimately, the content of what he's saying is don't die because then you'll die, which is so fucking stupid. It's such a cop thing to say. Mm -hmm. This man could not be more of a cop if he tried. But they circle the house and we get all these shots of the family inside the house, like sleeping, actually, all of them. And half of them are sleeping with snoozers, more like half of them are sleeping with like a corpse next to them in their bed, which is dark as shit. Yeah. And not surprising, given everything that we know about them. Mm hmm. Otis looks an awful lot more Charles Manson in this one because he's got the beard all grown out and such. Yep. No, he looks like it looks like a guy that you'd be like, oh, that's Charles Manson. Like, yeah. that's who he looks like versus Otis, who was Otis. Now Otis is, oh, he's Charles Manson, Otis. But then he starts talking and it's like, yeah, there's an awful lot of Charles Manson to this. But also Otis does have his own thing. Otis is definitely still Otis. <laughs> Yeah. I would love to count of the number of times they say fuck in the first 30 seconds of them being awake. Uh, Probably 32. At least. Because it's at least one per second. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and most of them are from Otis. Yeah, the cops hit him with the bullhorn. They're like, "You, this is your chance to come out peacefully. And the family's like, there's no way in hell we're doing that, right? So they all put on their like beaten sheet metal body armor yeah, and welding oh, I love masks that plate and shit. steel body armor. I love it. I love I it. I think only RJ has a full body suit. 
Is he the only one that has? Everyone a full else suit? has a mask. They've though, all got and these all like welding mask looking deals. Yeah, oh, it's great. Half of them have skulls painted on them, and it's real cool. And then the cops shoot for a really long time, and they throw some tear gas in, and the family is like completely unaffected by this. Apparently, <laughs> when you're evil enough, tear gas doesn't hurt you. It just doesn't work if you've got a welding mask off. So on, true. Then like you know, it's not about filtering the air. It's just about like sending a message. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, they kill they kill a few cops. Uh, but when the cops finally breach the house, RJ kills one last guy and then is shot by approximately seven thousand bullets. Um, and he fucking, had the corpse of a thousand bullets. Has a corpse were. of a thousand bullets in the house. What else is in that house? The devil's rejects. That's the devil's what. rejects. That's who. Uh, but he goes down. Mama Firefly is not handling it well. No. But Otis and Baby run away. They escape out like a a tunnel out the yeah, basement. It's like a, yeah. You get a very brief scene of them running past a bunch of like still current victims in a cage. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and then there's talk later of there being like a mass grave full of decomposing corpses, body parts in the fridge and blah, 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 blah. And the, the news presenter guy mm-hmm. is actually doing a fantastic job acting this because he seems so genuinely disturbed by what he's reporting. Yeah, it kind of looks like they got a real news guy and they told him that this is real news. Let's go. It feels that like, way, right? And the channel really that good. he reports for is called News Update. Which... <laughs> <laughs> news Update. And then we also get the first needle drop of the movie. It's Midnight it's Rider. It's Midnight Rider by the Allman Brothers. This movie is so full of Southern rock. I love this movie so much. I'm not trying to get ahead of myself because my rating comes after the Ebert and the other ratings. We, we may as well get out in front of it, though, since we're so deep into the podcast already. We both love Devil's Rejects. <laughs> love Devil's Rejects. I would watch House of a Thousand Corpses again. 100%. I would. I will. But I will watch Devil's Rejects again. I'll I enjoy it an awful lot Devil's more Rejects. when I watch Devil's and Rejects. And when I tell you what happens in the movie later, I need you to back off real hard on the judgment train <laughs> because when I say I love it, I don't mean I condone a single goddamn thing that happens in this movie. No, it's fucked up. It's a horror movie. <laughs> but I think that's where we'll, we'll kill with Midnight Rider. We're going to stop the... Well, uh, under Midnight Rider, we get a montage of oh. Otis and Baby running across the countryside and killing a woman for her car yeah. and like doing all their escaping and stuff while the opening credits roll. And it's really great. Yeah. It's honestly, it's a trend that Rob has considered uh, or continued in many of his own movies he since then. He does good opening credits sequences. Um, that's the best part of 31 is the beginning where it's just a bunch of all the people that are about to die um, underneath. Yeah, I would say the first couple scenes of 31 are the best scenes of the movie. Let's yeah. see. Like the first and last scenes. It's all the shit with Doomhead in um, it is what James I like. James Gang's Walk Away is mm. playing while they just like do like goofy little stuff. Rob loves that James gang because they use Funk 49 in this movie as well later on. It's so good. Uh, but yeah, let me pull us back. Yeah. So into the ratings. Into the ratings. And when I tell you these yeah. ratings, you're going to notice that they're actually not much higher than House of a Thousand Corpses. Well, some of them. Some of them. IMDb is a 6.7 now. Yeah, some of these of are identical just about. But yeah, Letterboxd is a 3.3 instead of a 3.2. Yeah. And this movie is not just barely better than House of a Thousand Corpses. No, no, Corpses. this movie is head and shoulders better than House of a Thousand Corpses. No but if you look at the doubt. rating breakdown, if you look at it, let me pull this up for you. <coughs> Ooh, acid reflux. Oof. If you look at the rating breakdown, it's the fucking same. That does look the same. Like, Devil's Rejects leans like... better. 
which yeah. makes sense because it is better. There's like a higher rise in the mid range for Devil's Rejects, I think. Yeah. yeah. Like on the, the 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 upper end of the mid range there. The three star ratings for House of a Thousand Corpses are stronger, but uh you know, but Devil's the fours Rejects are the strongest on Devil's Rejects. The ratio is just higher on Devil's Rejects and yeah. like half as many people have logged the movie. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. This is the infinitely better movie. It's so much more coherent. Rob has had more time to know how to be an effective filmmaker. The characters are more realized. The acting is better. The, the equipment that they're shooting with is better. The Everything lighting is, is be way better. The, it looks like a movie. It, it looks, looks like Rob yeah. <laughs> got... He, it looks like Rob edited the first movie himself. He did not. Parts of House of a Thousand then, Corpses look like they could be from like a late 90s sitcom almost. Yeah. But then ha Devil's Rejects is an actual film. Yeah. Um, Rotten Tomatoes, 55%. Metacritic, 53. Way like, better than they were for the other. Yeah, up by a full 20% each plus. Yeah. All right? We got Ebert. We've got Ebert. Ebert gives this a three out of four. Ebert liked oh. this movie. I was reading the words that he wrote, and they are all very unpleasant words. But Here he is a three gaudy out of four. vomitorium of a movie. Violent, <laughs> nauseating, and really a pretty good example of its genre. Oof. If you're a hardened horror movie fan capable of appreciating skill and wit in the service of the deliberately disgusting, The Devil's Rejects may exercise a certain strange charm. Ooh. If, on the other hand, you close your eyes if a scene gets icky, here's a movie to see with blinders on because it, it starts at icky and descends relentlessly through depraved and nauseating to, <laughs> to the embrace of roadkill. <laughs> How can I possibly wow. give The Devil's Rejects a favorable review? A kind of heedless zeal transforms its horrors. The movie is not merely disgusting, but it has an attitude and a subversive sense of humor. Its actors venture into camp satire, but never seem to know it's funny. Their sincerity gives the jokes a, a kind of solemn gallows cackle. This is a really, really good review of this movie <laughs> consider the fact that it's about a depraved family of mass murderers who nickname themselves after groucho marx characters and the sheriff calls in a film critic to give him insights on the pathology the critic is such a groucho fan this is just a little fun aside oh sure such a groucho fan that he knows groucho played god in otis preminger's skidoo auto preminger auto whatever uh something i also knew but i bet you didn't <laughs> thank you ebert Go Thanks fuck yourself. Of course, I didn't one. know that. Uh, the sheriff wants to bring in Groucho for questioning, but the critic knows he died in 97. Elvis died. 1977. <laughs> what? 77. I'm sorry. Uh, Elvis died three days earlier and stole all the headlines, he moans, risking death at the hands of the sheriff department Elvis okay. fans. The, the movie critic scene is one of the only, like, true little non sequiturs in this movie it's so funny i cannot figure out why it's in there but god damn it's, i love it's it so that rob zombie <laughs> says yeah i'm a groucho marx fan and all the characters in my movie are named after groucho marx characters well and also like but you didn't know that <laughs> the the not to talk about dead and lovely too much but mm -hmm. they kind of thought that having that guy in the movie was kind of rob um, you know, you know how I've theorized that the Friday the 13th movies kind of made fun of their fans at a few times with their insult characters. Yeah. Um, they were basically saying that they felt like the movie critic guy in this movie is Rob kind of like shooting back at his critics by being <laughs> like, this is how you fucking sound, you losers. Shut up. I know all this stuff. 
You should know that I know all this stuff. Stop telling me this. Shut up. God, I love that. And I'm willing to fully accept that. And I love how they just, they kick him out because he says bad things about Elvis. And Sheriff Wydell cannot abide that. It's so good. Ah. Uh, that reminds me, there's a there's a scene in Thousand Corpses. Oh, yeah. Where Spaulding has, he has a John Wayne tattoo he and he refers to him Wayne as the tattoo. Duke. And what other Duke would Rain you know Wilson about? literally is like, oh, you mean John Wayne? And he's like, well, damn, son, what other Duke is there? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in this, he, he calls uh, Elvis Aaron Presley he calls the, him king. the king. Yeah. And I just, I really, I, I just think it's funny that those are like two accidentally connected scenes in my mind. I don't think it's accidental. It's just, well... When we get into the spoilers, I would agree. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 But um, uh, this is devastating news. I must share. By the way, you may have noticed I didn't share a Twitter Brandon, and I, I didn't talk about it that. either. Yeah. Um, I don't have a Twitter Brandon here either. R.I.P. Twitter Brandon. He nuked his goddamn Twitter account, and now I'm stuck with just his letterboxed reviews. Very. Sad. Which is so much harder because I know he's seen these movies because I've right. looked up his Rob Zombie takes before, and. What's so funny is I have thought in the past, damn, Twitter's going to go like ass up soon. I'm going to have to make sure Haven't that we I, all been thinking that for a long time at this point, frankly. And I'm like, I'm going to have to lift some of his like takes about a couple of movies that we might cover. Firstly, never would have touched this. I never would have thought that we would cover this. Secondly, I did not expect us to ever hit this. No. He didn't just abandon Twitter. He deleted his Twitter, which is so sad, uh, but he has not logged this movie on Letterboxd. So I got nothing. Luckily, though, I have, and I give it a solid 9 out of 10. Um, I think mm. the only reason I'm not giving it a 10 is because I don't know if I want to. Sure. It's a hard movie to stand by a 10, even though I think it deserves it. I feel like most criticisms that people would have for this movie, I would find perfectly valid. Well, the issue is a lot of the criticisms... I don't know that I would want to defend this movie in an argument. That's the problem. You know? A lot of the criticisms people do level at this movie are moral criticisms. Right, and which that's is perfectly the, fair. It's perfectly fair, but it's also really here. derivative. Or not derivative. It's, um... No, not derivative. It's... Oh, what's the um, word I'm looking for? Um, um, it's, um, um, uh, uh, shit. Not demeaning, not derivative um it's like oversimplifying it it's kind of it's very uh, much oversimplifying it's a very surface level read of the movie oh my god i how know can the you... word that you're talking about yeah I, I i'm really annoyed that neither of us can think of it let me look at um let me check back in my notes real quick at brandon's event horizon thing because i think he used the fucking word i was trying to think of no valid but easy damn okay i don't know i can't think of the word i'm after diminishing diminish that's not quite it no. it's close though but re regardless of what uh i word Hope i you want guys are to enjoying say, listening to both of us not remembering a word <laughs> um i really think that it is just it does the movie a disservice to only talk about it in a moral sense it's like yeah. this is not it's a horror like, movie it's a it's horror movie it's grody it's nasty you. and rob his characters are so good and the reason they're good is he is giving you the gift of a bad guy. The yeah. man has gifted unto you the worst people you do not have to root for so that you don't have to be sad when they go. Mm -hmm. 31, the exact same thing. Not a single character in that movie is a guy I like. None of them. God, no. Not a single 
fucking person. I didn't like a single person outside of like Spalding and Otis in the first in like fucking House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah, the, the, the characters are, are not meant to be likable. Because... That Rob rightly called out as I don't give a shit about this guy. Uh huh. Yeah, he's right. I don't give a shit about him. Yeah. I don't give a shit about Rob any of them. knows the kind of movie that he's making. It took so many Friday the 13th sequels for the makers of the Friday the 13th movies to figure this out. It took Rennie Harlan for <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street to figure this out. But when people watch certain kinds of horror movies, they are rooting for the fucking villains. Yeah. So he gives you a movie where you get a lot more of the villains than you get of the victims because that's what you're here and then, for. And he's just like, yeah, this is what you want, huh? You want more of the villains and you see there and you realize shit maybe i didn't No, i didn't want that i actually no mr zombie i did not want to see more of the fireflies being the fireflies i guess i was wrong and then by some goddamn miracle by the end of this movie you are rooting for these guys like nothing else because it's like, oh my God, the last bastion of outlaw America. Let's go. Yeah. You are the rooting. The Southern Rock soundtrack gets you on their side. Freebird kicks in Freebird, while yes. they're running away from where they almost got murdered. And you're like, oh my God. They're making it. They're going to do it. I'm so, my little boys are thriving and surviving. <laughs> Otis was crucified, but now he's not. He's like a, <laughs> risen again, like a Charles Manson, but even worse. Otis does get a little bit crucified. He gets, a, it's kind of, it's kind of fun, right? Like After he's he, not in the position. He's like on a chair, but both his hands get nailed. Yeah, by nine It's a very nails. obvious reference. Yeah, it's a blatant, blatant reference. And Freebird kicks in. And they play almost the entire song. Yeah, all the way through the first section of the solo. Yeah, and then it, cuts it off. ends. And then the credits. There's roll. gunfire, there's crashing, and it's over. Yeah. And then we get another fucking Southern rock song. Yeah. Over this gorgeous sweeping countryside video. Mm-hmm. I watched the entire thing. Yeah. How the fuck does this movie come from right. House of a Fucking Thousand Corpses? There's not a single shot of negative film in this movie. There's, There's not, not a single vignette nice. cutaway. The, there, there, there are cutaways, but they are not like the cutaways that no, we they're cutaways had. that are like a normal movie that add to the story. Kind of. You well, know? and it's in like the the Freebird scene. We're getting scenes of them just like kind of just hanging kind of around, around and having a good time. It's like oh, yeah. and it's kind of like well, this is the stuff evil that they're thinking of. Are in there. normal people too? Yeah. Well, so much of the the latter part of this movie is just them having a bunch of like regular people moments to humanize them a bunch, and that's one of the things that I really like about this. Mm-hmm. Is Rob takes the movie that gives you too much of your killers, and he takes that to its fullest extent. He says, okay, yeah, we're going to give you too much of what they're doing here. I'm going to give you absolutely everything that Otis does with his victims. I'm going to give you every way that Baby toys around with the people that she's left alone with. I'm going to give you all of how fucked up Captain Spaulding is as well. And I'm going to give you the quiet little moments where they don't have a chance to be fucked up and they are left just being regular people. Tootie fucking fruity. Tootie fucking fruity. <laughs> God, and when it the cut... From him saying, None of this is going to make any sense to anyone who hasn't seen the movie, but yeah, like we'll get to it. They're they're begging the man for ice cream, and he's like, "I have calculated." And he's like, "It'll take two seconds. It won't kill you." I actually have calculated. It'll take exactly two fucking seconds to kill me. And then he's like, "There will be no ice cream." Immediately cuts to Baby and Spalding eating ice cream, and Otis looking fucking livid. And Funk Forty Nine is playing on the radio, which only makes it more absurd. And you got. These two just like licking their ice cream cones and they're like, damn, Tootie Fruity is so good. I love the, the line <laughs> that Baby has there where she's like, 
I don't know why you have to be such a grouch. This is actually really good. It's And she offers him some of her ice cream, and he doesn't want it because he's being angry right now. It's he's, so funny. Otis no is just driving me, the I car angie. like, no talk, I angie. And Baby tries to give him some ice cream. She puts it up in his face, and he goes to shove it out of his face, and she gets some ice cream on his nose. And, he, and they you laugh see at him. him almost crack. <laughs> he... He's like from on the, the look on Bill Mosley's face, I think I think honestly, Otis was like just half a step away from crashing the car on purpose in that moment. But Bill Mosley is half a step away from laughing his ass off. I guarantee that oh, I was bet. the best take they got, I bet which is why was. they had to keep. <laughs> honestly, I wonder, like, you know, the, this is a thing that we're always wondering about with a lot of movies, right? Let's mm-hmm. see, this is 2005, so like, I don't know necessarily, but like. I wonder about how heavily scripted a lot of those scenes were. Like, how much of that was just, like, Sid Haig and Sherry Moon Zombie fucking around, trying to be annoying to Bill Mosley? I, so there was a two and a half hour documentary, (gasps) 30 Days in Hell, The Making of the Devil's Rejects. Oh my god, I need to watch that. People have said it's insane that it was just a special feature released on the DVD, because it is really good. Um, I really wanted to watch it for this, but I watched both of these movies last night after, oh, sure. um, we decided very last minute yeah. about doing devil's rejects as part of this podcast. Oh, sorry. It started to be spoiling the illusion. Noah didn't actually spring this on me just now. Yeah. I actually we had both already been yeah. planning to watch both movies for the house of a thousand corpses episode and just decided to make this about both of them. Yeah. Cause it just kind of made more sense. It makes for better discussion of both movies. I think honestly, it does. And because House of a Thousand Corpses is fine on its own, but as the Firefly duology, which I will continue to think of it as until I actually watch Three from Hell, I that I've heard so is... close to watching Three from Hell for this because mm-hmm. it's streaming free with ads on Pluto right now. And but on then Tubi, I went to watch it? it. No, the others are on Tubi. Oh, okay, and also Pluto. But also, I'm kicking myself. I own all of these on Blu-ray, and Do I didn't you? watch them on Blu-ray. Oh shit, we got to watch those. Yeah. I would love to watch a Blu-ray quality Devil's Rejects. Holy shit. Me too. Oh my God. Because I bet House of a Thousand Corpses still looks like shit. Yeah. Because that's how it's supposed to look. Exactly. And Devil's Rejects also has its shit moments, but the lighting will show in a nicer way. I want to see it, you know? Yeah. I got to watch Three from Hell. But like when I went to watch it on Pluto, uh, Pluto gave it to me in Spanish with Spanish subtitles and I I am up to a 56 day streak on Duolingo, but I am not there yet. That is so, actually really fucking And funny. I, I couldn't figure out how to fix it. I googled Pluto's only playing in Spanish, and the only information I found is Pluto doesn't let you change languages. No shit, I couldn't manage to change it back to English. That is so I don't know funny. what the problem was here. Oh my god. I'm sure it's something obvious that like I'm doing wrong somehow, but I don't know how. Do you have an account? No. That's so weird. Yeah, it's, it's really strange. Anyways, oh, though. You didn't give me a rating. Oh, I haven't yet. I think I'm giving it an 8.5 because I think for as much as I like it, there is uh, a certain amount of issue that I have with it. And it's, once again, not moral objections. It's just there's a handful of short scenes that I think could have gotten cut. And I think they should have because I think the movie drags a little bit. I think it runs just a little bit too long. Not that I dislike mm-hmm. it in those scenes or anything. Not that I dislike it at the end. But by the time we get there, I'm tired. You know? This, it does feel every second of its 140. 150, 150 I, think. I think. Yeah, it's it's an hour 50. You feel it as Probably the movie goes on. Probably 10 of those credits, but like... A solid six at the, least. The movie just, by the time it hits the end, you're ready for it to be over. Between the opening and closing, it's at least 10 minutes of credits. Gotta be. 
because you play the entirety of Midnight Rider. You get the entirety, the entirety of Midnight Rider. Honestly, you get the entirety of a lot of songs in this. You kind of this do. Is, this is one of those movies that's so full of needle drop moments that it makes you think that it feels... Um, yeah, you know how a lot of movies, lots of times, if they've got too many needle drops, it feels a little amateurish because it's yeah. kind of like, oh, basic, like, you know, early pro or early production, like film student. Oh, you're coming up with scenes because of the songs that are on your playlist and you want to yeah, make sure that they're all playing at the special like moments for your shuffle. little guys. And yeah, yeah, this doesn't feel like that. This feels a little bit like that. It, th there's moments it feels like that, but I love the it's music. It's very thematic, in this though, because it makes the world feel real. Yes. Because these are people listening to real, not these okay. are people that seem familiar listening to music that I know. Yeah, and listening even the songs that I that... don't know, I'm like, this is a real song, and it is real. Well, even and the not, songs like, that a lot I don't of know, pop songs made for movies, heavy oh, production, sure. a lot of synth, they don't feel real. Nah. And House of a Thousand Corpses has a really, really good soundtrack. Absolutely, it does, and it's actually. but it's all Rob Zombie for what songs, it is. Mm -hmm. not really, but like it's a lot of Rob Zombie songs though, because it's, and it's, it's very... Pussy Liquor and it's House of a Thousand Corpses yeah. and it's. Um, um, that other one that I always forget what what it's called. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's all oh, um, Brick House is in there. His cover. Oh, of you Brick get House. Brick House in the uh, in the end credits. Yeah, yeah. which it's a and very fun cover of Brick House. It's got Lionel Richie on it. Even. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, <laughs> but all that stuff comes together, and it is a very edgy soundtrack. It's a it, yeah, I guess that would be the soundtrack of House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah. This the soundtrack stands at odds with the actions on screen in a really fun way. In a way that doesn't feel like it's just trying to do the Reservoir Dogs thing. Yes. Which is always the problem with that kind of thing, right? Now, um I didn't write down all the content warnings for this one. Oh god. <laughs> um there's a very I think funny use of the F slur. I think it's really funny. It's really funny. <laughs> I think it's really funny. Yeah. You have um a very racist moment from Baby where she's just doing like this little song that's racist. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Yeah. Um, and and it's a scene of just her being annoying on purpose yeah. because that's how she and Otis spend about half of this movie. Yep. And. Otis looks over at their captured victim uh, because there's a couple of guys in the room. He looks over at one of them. He's like, you staring at my sister? You have an, uh, you have an impure he, thoughts. He, yeah, about he my says sister. something about him having impure thoughts of some sort. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he's like, no, nope. sir. And he says, well, why not? <laughs> <laughs> why not? <laughs> and the guy's just like, and th that leads the fun. One of the funniest moments of the movie immediately leads to the most upsetting moment. In the movie. Yeah, because you go from there directly into a pretty graphic scene of sexual assault. Real, yeah, no really good, no good at yeah, all. Yeah, no. Uh, God, it's 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 really funny. Yeah, we get another F slur uh, mm -hmm. leveled by the same character at the same character again in yeah. like one of the following scenes. Yeah, as it's well. just. A <laughs> Yeah, Otis has no patience for this man. He's done with him. He doesn't like him. Um, once again, we have... It, the, the violence is not graphic in the same way as House of a Thousand Corpses. Not in this... It's a different kind it of is, violence. There's not so much focus on the mutilation and stuff. It's more no, just garden variety murder. But it's really... Part. And I'm it's not going to say it's in less fun ways. to watch. It's enacted in some very upsetting ways. Yeah, I don't There's know why I was saying because um, uh, it wasn't like fun see... to watch in House of a Thousand Corpses sure. either. It is not fun to watch in this. And that's part of the experience. Like, right. It's supposed to you're supposed to look at it and be like, oh, shit, this yeah, is pretty fucked Rob up. Rob has gifted us three abhorrent human beings. Yeah. 
Um, and then a fourth one makes a late stage entry. And they're just not like... I mean, he's, he's present in the movie before He is, that, but he but like, becomes an abhorrent character yeah. late stage. Well, that's... Yeah. <laughs> and you know, like, these guys are all here for us to gawk at like a carnival exhibit. Yeah. You know? And so and when it's not... to just watch them go through their day. Yeah. And it's not fun to watch, but it's also like, it's kind of like a train wreck at some points, you know? Like, it's just like, I cannot like, stop oh watching what Otis is about to do next. Yeah. Um um yeah so that that's honestly i think that's, that's all there it, is though. to warn for because in this, is you, it's just it's got some it, it's hellbillies it's shit again kinda, yeah it's, it's offensive it's like really really lowbrow moments it's swinging really hard for everything that it's doing and what it's doing is and things that are upsetting from what i've gleaned from the info i have from the documentary like this was a miserable filming experience for a lot of people. It was oh, yeah. really hard. Oh. And but everyone was really committed to it. And this is what I hear about Rob Zombie's projects all the time. It's a really rough month. Is that and it's then, tough to do, but he cares so much that everyone else just matches his energy. And here's the thing. I get it. I would disappear for 30 days to pull these 16-hour shoot days to make this movie. Honestly, the way that I used to me? spend my summers, when I look at the idea, the prospect of something like that, I'm like, I'm sure I could do pretty much anything for a month. Yeah, it's just you know? like I could sleep outside for a month. I've right? done it like for a week at a time, at least. Yeah, it's like, like I look at this and I'm like, OK, yeah, if I this is my job, so I don't have to worry about juggling this with work. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I'm sold. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go live in a motel in the desert with Rob Zombie for a month so right? that we can make a fucked up movie. I'll do it. I can like I can see it. Yeah. And everyone had a bad time, but they all cared enough about the project that they had like they made this. Yeah. And that's it's crazy. It's, <laughs> yeah, I I yeah, I really want to watch that documentary about the making of it now. God. So yeah, I'm going to it's 30 days in hell. Yeah. Um I'm going to see if it's a special feature on my Blu-ray. Um are we going to attempt a scary rating on either of these movies? Without um, Emma here, I know that we don't... Uh, without Emma here, it's going to be difficult, right? And I'm going to say that this one is definitely scarier than House of a Thousand Corpses. Certainly. Uh, it's I, doing um, everything in a very different way. Yeah, objectively and subjectively, it is scarier. Mm -hmm. I would say House of a Thousand Corpses, because of its disturbing nature, and for me, literally because of the tension moment where Otis shoots the deputy, I mm. would put that, if I'm judging Emma numbers, probably going to be like a two or a three. Yeah, that's about what I would expect Emma to give up. Um, yeah. This one, and I think that this one is going to win out because of the graphic assault scene. This one's probably yeah. going to clock in at like an eight. I think Emma would probably give that really high uncomfy numbers more yeah. so than anything else. Yeah, because once again, this is it's not a movie with like the movie's scary not, things on screen. The movie's never building tension on things that you don't know about. No, and it's that's always the very worst clear part. about it's, everything that's happening and you yeah. see it coming and you watch and it And that's happen. the bad thing is there's a scene later. And that's, we'll get that's into that's it in like two Rob seconds with really the spoiler. Well, isn't it? Is he does really well with just telling you what's going to happen and making you see it and making yeah. that feel really bad. Captain Spaulding enters the scene as a girl escapes baby and is finally getting away. She runs into him, like physically runs into him, grabs him and says, oh my God, please help me. I'm being chased. And he's like, and he just like basically goes, ha ha, head butts her to knock her out. Yeah. And it's it's such a heartbreaking moment. You it know is. she thought she was safe. 
and you've and then, seen everything that she's been through up to that yeah. point, which is horrifying. Oh my god! And it's like you you want her to get away. You want her to be okay. And then you want and it and the movie not, dangles that in front of you for a second. She does live. No, she doesn't. No, live. she doesn't. Never she mind. Dies, yeah. She dies real hard. She dies yeah. in a big way. She dies bad. Yeah. But let me let We've me see, let's into go a, into a the spoiler here. because yeah. once um, Baby and Otis get away, they know they gotta call Spalding. Because you you find him in their little murder book in the basement, posing with a corpse, and right, he's just yeah. like, "Look he at this guy." Yeah. And so Spalding, though his first scene in the movie, God, it's so good. Is this lengthy sex scene? You see his balls. Okay, I was gonna ask you about. I this. think that actually is that is Sid a, Haig's actual balls. I'm wondering if that's an honest to god ladies, penetrative sex scene. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got balls. We've got. Balls. We've got not fully visible dong, but we have got balls. And also, I was also wondering if this was actually like unsimulated because the actress, the girl who's uh, mm-hmm. on top of him in that scene, mm-hmm. is an actual like former porn actress. So fully plausible. I don't know. We got to watch the documentary. Do you want to see Sid Haig's balls? Probably. Um, they're in this movie. Yeah. Um, um, but then, uh, then he calls her she, a whore. He makes a joke. Yeah. He says, oh, man, gonna... <laughs> that was so great for you. You're going to have to pay me next time. Yeah. And she's like, are you calling me a whore? And he says, I call him like I see him. And she pulls out a gun and points it at him and says, laugh clown. And then she shoots him in the head and he wakes up. It was a dream. Ah, it's oh man. And he's in bed next to a different woman, a different woman. And she's like, oh, man, you have a bad dream because he woke up screaming Mm -hmm. and he goes "Ah, 50 50. And then she's like, (laughs) cool. Want a bone? And he's like, God damn it. I got to piss. And she's like, you know, most guys would be happy to have someone as horny as me. And he's like, no, you're too horny for me. (laughs) And she smacks his ass. And then he, <laughs> he receives a that. phone call where Otis oh, hey, and Baby you're ignoring him, the part where his, he was on primetime TV. Oh, right. He turns on the TV, sees the the, the beginnings of the report about the Yeah, because he was watching his commercial. In the house. Right. Yeah, that's right. He had this commercial. We didn't There's talk a... about his commercial in the beginning of House of a Thousand Corpses either. No, Which is really so good. comedically terrible. It, yeah. It's very local commercial, but yeah. like the scariest local commercial you've ever seen. Because there's still Sid Haig and his like makeup it's, and his black teeth. Yeah. And it's in black and white to make it even feel even more off. God, I love the design of Captain Spaulding is so good. I don't know who came it's up with really that. really well done. But Spaulding as a character in cl- full clown face and outfit is really good. Real good. And then um, anyways, Spalding, though, as his makeup wears off because he's having a bad he just time. He keeps getting scarier. Also, he puts his makeup on in his house because he's about to go to work. So he's like sitting yeah. here watching TV in clown face. Yeah. And that's so, really funny. Yeah. So he sees the beginnings of his commercial playing and then it gets interrupted by a news broadcast. And he's so angry because he paid good money for that time slot. And then he receives a phone call from Otis and Baby saying how the family got busted by the cops and they're on the run and they tell him where they're hiding out. And he tells them a hotel to meet him at and they start heading there and he starts driving. When they arrive at the motel, he's not there. And they're like, shit, what do we do? We gotta, we gotta be able to hide. So, um, so baby's like, don't worry. 
I'll get us a room. And Otis is like, well, you better hurry. And she's like, fuck you. Mm-hmm. And a then classic, we get introduced to some victim characters. They are a country band called Banjo and Sullivan. Banjo and Sullivan. Led by a man named Roy Sullivan, who <laughs> played with Johnny Cash once, shook his hand. Shook his hand. Yeah. You know, I was talking to Johnny Cash. You know, I played with Johnny Cash once. He mentions this like three times. <laughs> to every, he mentions it to Otis. He mentions it to Otis. And Otis is so unimpressed. Okay, we haven't gotten to the point where he meets Otis yet, though. Okay, <laughs> yeah, so okay. the Banjo and Sullivan crew are all just getting out of their van and loading into their couple of different motel rooms while they're having a conversation about the events of the previous night, which is Roy's wife was attempting to ride a mechanical bull whilst wearing a tube top. Yep. And uh, yeah, do I even have to tell you what happened after that? They do. They do. They tell <laughs> us what happened after that. We My get the details. Were they were going in two different directions. I love the way that they tell this story to each other because they were all there for it. And but it they feels just can't like a stop. story that they were all there for because they're not giving us every detail yeah it feels like the way that a group of people just dunk on their friend when she did something stupid last night while she was drunk Literally, it because the story opens up with with her saying i know that i don't need to tell you this but riding a mechanical bull is not as easy as it no looks. no because it opens with her saying it's really not that funny that's right yeah because they're all talking about how funny it is i imagine like that that's they've like been... the first line of the group this it's is not like that funny. what like early afternoon when this is happening yeah and i imagine that they've probably been on the road the whole day up until this point and this is all they've been talking about easily and she is fucking done with it and she's saying that it's not that funny and then roy who is her husband mm -hmm. roy says well i know that i don't need to tell you this but Riding a mechanical bull is not as easy as it looks. Apparently, she went into it thinking that it wasn't going to be difficult. Mm -hmm. And the one guy who appears to just be a roadie that nobody likes. He is just the roadie, yeah. And nobody in the group likes him. Nope. He says, um, well, actually, you had a pretty great ride until tragedy struck. <laughs> and no one is amused by him. But when they, they start... All, they laugh at every joke except the ones that he says. It's really good. <laughs> And then we get, yeah, we get just piece by piece descriptions of how this happened. And then uh, eventually they send Roy to go get some ice from the machine. And while mm -hmm. he's over there, Baby shows up and she flirts with him, perhaps the most overtly that anyone has ever flirted with anyone. Mm -hmm. um, and he acts very into it. And then she says, what do you say? Uh, you take me back to your room uh, to play with me. And he says, well, my wife's in that room. And she says, oh, so is my brother going to have to, what is it she says? Is my brother going to have to shoot you in the head, basically? Yeah. She's like. And he goes, huh? And then Otis is behind him with a gun. <laughs> it's really good. And then we. I get the impression that the idea was just for her to get him to take her back to the room quietly. And Otis got impatient and snuck up behind him. Is mm -hmm. what happened. Yeah, probably. Like, because... I don't think the plan was the the distraction and then the threat. I think the plan was just yeah, the it, distraction and then Otis shows up. As soon as he's like, well, my wife's in that room. So it also very plan funny. B hits. Roy talks with such a like emotionless monotone in a lot of this movie. And that well, I say that, but the roadie actually talks in an emotionless well, monotone. Because yeah, every line that the roadie says is kind of just sort of like this. I was, you know, I was I, I was doing a little research about that thing that I was telling you about that I might be interested in yep. doing 
which is being a rodeo clown. And Roy tells him about how he would never cut it as a rodeo clown. Yeah, like that horn will be up your ass before you even know it. Yeah, and the guy's like, you can never be supportive of anything I want to do. So when I say that Roy is an emotionless monotone, it's not totally Roy true. Roy seems but he very is... uninvested in a lot of things. Yeah, it seems like he's into himself. he doesn't want to be there. He's into himself. He's just waiting for their next gig. Yeah, yeah. He likes touring because he likes playing the shows. And like anyone who tours, everything else about it is just the worst. Yep. I've heard so many professional musicians talk about this. And it was not my experience touring, but I think that's just because I have so little experience touring. Mm-hmm. You know, I think if we would have done... a good one. We had a good one and we had a short one is the big thing. Mm-hmm. I think if we would have gone for longer, we would have had time a to have a bad will. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if we would have toured for more than a couple weeks at a time, it would have been a different story, I'm certain. But th- my touring experience is not relevant to this movie whatsoever because these guys were staying in a motel. They weren't sleeping in a Walmart parking lot or uh, a-, a side room at a very kind church, mm-hmm. which is what my band was doing. <laughs> so... Um, in any case, uh, then they... Otis and Baby take Roy back to the motel room where yep. um, Roy's wife has been lying on the bed watching a TV report about satanic cults and really wanting to change it but not wanting to get up. And the other guy, I don't, I didn't ever catch his name. That's Banjo. That's that must be Banjo. It because is Banjo. He's not a Sullivan. So he's definitely not Sullivan. Uh, Banjo and uh, is there, and his wife is in the shower. And we get some rather gratuitous girl in shower shots. Adam. His name is Adam. His name's Adam. Adam. I'm just going to keep calling him Banjo. Me too. Banjo is here without Kazooie. Sorry, Mm N64. Um, (laughs) No Kazooie's in sight. And no references to the number 13. (laughs) So far as I can remember at this time. There's at least 13 corpses in that house. There's at least 13 corpses in that house. (laughs) Um, okay, so Baby and Otis arrive at the room with Roy. They send Roy in first, of course, and of then course. Otis, loud and proud with his gun out, um, tells everyone that he's in charge here and everyone's going to listen, and they all freak out, of course, because a man's pointing a gun at them. Mm-hmm. And he's like, is this everyone? And they say, yes. And Banjo says, my wife is in the shower. And Otis opens up that bathroom door, throws open the curtain, grabs her by the hair, drags her out of the shower, holds her in front of everyone and says, is this everyone? And and then Roy says, yes, Roy this says is everyone. Confidently, yes, this and is everyone. And then what do we hear? Hey, Roy, I got you that ice you asked me for. No, he wasn't getting the ice. It was something else. No, he, he's, Roy it was jerky. Cinema. It was jerky. Oh, the jerky. Because yeah, he, he says the brand name of the jerky in like a really weird way and everything. And Otis mm-hmm. is like, oh, is that so? And he throws, I feel bad for not knowing her name, Banjo's wife. Wendy. Mrs. Wendy. Okay. Wendy Banjo. That's right. Okay. So he throws, oh, it's it actually lists their surname as being Banjo? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yep. Uh, I was just doing that as a joke. All right. So... He throws Wendy onto the bed and they cover her with some blankets and she ends up wearing somebody's like cast off flannel. Um, And they open the door and the roadie guy comes in. Baby, well, baby opens the door and he's like, oh, I must have the wrong room. And she's like, nah, you got the right room. He's like, Roy's in here. And she's like, yeah, Roy's in here. And she lures him in. Otis shoots him in the head immediately. Yeah. Oh my God. It's, 
He's just like, wait, what's going on? And then he shoots him and says to Roy, see, now I know I can't trust you because you lied to me. And Roy had been like, well, I kind of forgot he existed. He's just our roadie. Nobody likes, they hate him so much. And then <laughs> he fucking gets shot right in front of him. Yeah. And that's where we hit the um, the really emotionally roller coaster scene of Baby doing an annoying little racist song. Well, we get a we get a cut over to Captain Spaulding. Oh, that's right. We cut to Spaulding, and, and we get a cut Ooh, over yeah. also to the sheriff. Ken I haven't mentioned. Character. Oh, Ken, we haven't oh, talked Ken, about the Ken sheriff Furry. at all. We haven't talked about Ken Faree's character. I love Ken Faree, man. Is it Faree or Faree? I've heard it said Faree. I've heard Faree. Oh, interesting. Faree is a different word. But in reference to this guy's name, I have only ever heard well, it said Ken Faree. So, so let's say Ken Faree. Anyway, um, he's yeah, a pimp. Worth mentioning, Ken Faree, Sid Haig, and a number of other actors who are consistently in uh, Rob Zombie movies are people who were actually in like the like 70s exploitation films that he's always aping in all of his shit. Yeah. And he's, that's like he's part got of the thing like that really nails the, the feel. People. Yeah, he always gets the people who have that experience. Yeah, well, actually, no, there's this really, this hilarious Ken Faree title in here. Let me try and find it real quick. Because oh, um, he was in, um, uh, uh, what's it? The Beyond, that uh, that Lovecraft adaptation that I was uh, gabbing a ghoul about a while back. Mm-hmm. He was a main character in that. And he was really good. Here at we it. go. Uh, Black Santa's Revenge. That's right. 2007, by the way. Oh, shit. I need to watch this shit. Oh. Few in, it's a 21 minute um, Is that all? movie. Few enough ratings that it doesn't have an average. No average? Yeah. Oh 161 God. people have seen this movie, according to Letterboxd. I'm about to be number 162. I, I have a feeling this is going to be a new Christmas tradition. Of I, mine. I need you all to pop onto Letterboxd so that you can see the poster for Ken Faree, Black Santa's Revenge. I would not have believed this was the real poster. No. In a city where crime runs rampant and despair rules with the streets, one man delivers hope with a vengeance. A mini epic by David Walker. And it's Ken Faree dressed as Santa with a fucking magnum pointed at the fucking... At you. <laughs> and then another picture of Ken Faree dressed as Santa holding a different gun. Yeah. Big fucking gun. God, this, this yeah. is good. Um, anyway, yeah, you know, the classic exploitation guys. Yeah. Um, anyways, so Ken Faree's character is named Charlie Altamont and he is a pimp. He's running a brothel that, uh, he says is having some money problems because their clientele are all just too damn cheap. And he wants to mm -hmm. find a way to try and, you know, rope them in, really hustle that pussy, he says. Mm -hmm. And... The like the girl says like, I've lead, been wanting to yeah. do that sci-fi shit. She says she wants you know, to do like a Star Wars, Wars themed thing. To which Charlie says, "Oh no, because then everyone's gonna want you to act like robots, and I don't want a bunch of horny robots running around here." To which his janitor then, or I, I assume Cleavon is just the janitor because that's, that's all he's thought. shown doing. Mm -hmm. Really, it seems like he's uh, he's Charlie's like assistant, but all we really see him doing is cleaning. Yeah, and he says um, they call him droids, actually. <laughs> 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 and Charlie's like, just like hey, yeah I know I know I just <laughs> yeah, no, he doesn't care he doesn't because she's like all those nerds want to fuck Princess Leia and he's like and, and he's like uh, uh huh uh huh me too she's like yeah, thank you yeah I love that he's immediately just like oh I'd fuck her and she goes thank you <laughs> 
So there's that aside where we get introduced yeah. to and Ken Furry's character. And it's at that point that Charlie then receives a phone call from Captain Spaulding, who on the other end of the phone says, it's me, Cutter. Yeah. And it's at this point we start figuring out that all these people have a bunch of different names, actually. Yeah. And it's pretty much clear to us that we never hear any of their real names mm -hmm. if they have one at this point. Yeah. Because <laughs> he, what, Otis ends up calling him Cutter later on in the movie as well. Like, yes. He does not like him. And he said, but anyways, Cutter says, um, some shit's gone down and I'm headed your way to lay low for a little while. And Charlie says, no, you can't do that. He's like, I would really rather you didn't. He's like, I didn't ask your permission. <laughs> I'll be there. It's happening anyway. And Charlie's like, no, hey, aw. <laughs> Uh, we get a really funny scene where uh, Sid Haig is out here with his truck breaks down. So he goes I to steal a lady. He's like, I'm here to commandeer your car. We got some on top secret clown, clown business that supersedes any other plans that you might have had for this here vehicle. And she's just and like, this woman's just trying to load her son into the car so she can drive him to school. Yeah. Or some and she's shit. like, huh? And then he gets violent and she tries to, she tells her kid to get in the car and lock the door. And then he lays her out. Yeah, he says, never turn your back on a clown when he's trying to talk to you. And he puts her on the ground yeah. violently, and then, gets into the car next to the kid. And I what's love the matter, kid? Shit. Don't like clowns? The kid shakes his head. No, he doesn't like clowns. No, and he does Spalding not. says, well, why? Don't we make you laugh? <laughs> Aren't we funny? And, and the kid still just like can't answer because he's too damn scared. Yeah. And Spalding says... You'd better have an answer for why you hate clowns, because I'm going to come back here and check on you and your mama. And if you ain't got an answer to why you don't like clowns, I'm going to kill your whole family. The kid crying and Spalding, like, just about pushes him out of the car. Yeah, he's like, drives the hell off. out. <laughs> I love this scene. It's really good. Uh um, but yeah, you know, we, meanwhile, we've also been getting scenes in between all of the this sheriff. here and there of the sheriff. Cause mother firefly tried to kill herself at the scene, but the gun she picked up was empty. Yep. So she got taken by the cops. She's been locked up and there's a couple different scenes where the sheriff tries to get information from her and she is not forthcoming with anything useful. But she loves to taunt him with the fact that she was the one who killed his brother. Mm-hmm. She loves to do that. Um, and also to be trying to seduce him at the same time. Yep. That's her other favorite thing. And what we end up seeing from the sheriff over the course of the movie is Wydell 2 is not handling anything well. God, no. Um, he, he actually has a nightmare yeah. where he goes down to the Firefly House basement and he thinks he finds Captain Spaulding. But no, it's Wydell Prime. It's a fucking nightmare. And he's just like, you'd better revenge like, me or else my soul will never know peace. He's just like, I'm trying to walk the line. And he's like, you can't walk the line. I'm here. And he's like, you don't belong here, brother. And he's like, yeah, I live here now. My soul will never know peace until you avenge me. Yeah. And this hits kind of later in the movie, though. Yeah. And because of this, I'm just going to do his plot line. Real oh, quick sure. Yeah. Get just roll right way. through it. Because he is trying to go about this the right way sort of kind of mostly the right way he gets Enough worse the, as it goes along it's clear yep. that he's already like he was a little not, bit beyond regular yeah he was not even. handling things well at the beginning of the movie certainly not it he's very much on a revenge mission more than a justice mission 100 percent. and what ends up happening is his little nightmare tips him over the edge he murders mama firefly 
Um, he does. He in a really horny way, actually. In jail. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. It's a very Firefly way, wouldn't you say? It was a very Firefly it's way. Kind I of would a, say he who hunts monsters must take care not to become a monster kind of thing. It is in you know, fact sort of, exactly uh, like that. Sort of Nietzsche esque. This is so Nietzsche esque. Like the bug guy. He's like, <laughs> oh hmm? no, I woke up. I'm a big cockroach. Nietzsche. Yeah, that's you what know. happened to Nietzsche. Yeah. That's that's why he stopped writing when he did, is he got turned into a giant cockroach, and nobody knew what to do about it. Kafka wrote a book about it, I think. Okay, uh, <laughs> side note, you know uh, Kafka thought of himself as horrifically ugly, and he's like, he's so pretty. He's Yeah, I, I remember seeing pictures of him and him being really pretty. He's a yeah. very pretty man. It's just that like he didn't do well socially, and he hated his dad, and he hated his job, mm -hmm. and his life just kind of sucked because of that, from what I gather. This is just like if I was a big, ugly bug, which I am, by the way. Sure, Franz. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Man, Kafka is such a guy to learn about. <laughs> He's such a guy. He's just such a dude. Anyways. um, So, yeah, he murders Mama Firefly in a very Firefly way, and then he hooks up with these two, like, bounty hunters. Danny Trejo and Diamond Dallas Page. Yeah. Pulling them in on this. Did I see that Kane Hodder is in there? In Kane Hodder is, he is, he is, Who is um, he? he is an uncredited gas mask cop. Oh. Yeah, okay. he's just in the opening scene. Well, that's a bummer. Right. I would love to see this movie with a little more Kane in it, you know? But also, I just think it's really important to note that Michael Redbone Alcott, the guy who I'm about to talk about. Oh, the uh, chicken guy. Yeah, the guy who talks about fucking chickens. He's only been in four he's movies? Three movies. Oh, um, 31. And one of them is 31. So Devil's that's two rejects, Rob Zombie movies. Um, the do-over. Huh. But his fucking, his picture is him from The Devil's Rejects. Right. Uh, anyway, back to the movie. Um, yeah, so he hooks up with uh, Trejo and Paige to... The Unholy Two, they call themselves. The Unholy Two to go track down... Uh, the Firefly family. Using this list of Groucho Marx characters that he got from a movie critic because they noticed a pattern that the names that the Firefly family used, Captain Spaulding, Otis B. Driftwood, etc. P. Driftwood. Oh, I, I saw it listed as a B. I thought it was a P, but then I saw it listed. Oh, oh it I is a B. A there it is. pretentious uh, know-nothing. Ah, so Captain Spaulding, Otis B. Driftwood, etc. Charlie Altamont as well, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, are all names taken from Groucho Marx characters. So they bring in this movie critic. Who loves Groucho. Who loves Groucho to try and get whatever useful information they can get. But within moments of this guy being in the office, they get tired of him. And then he says something disparaging about Elvis and they kick him out. But now they've got an expanded list of names to check with. So he gives a copy of this list to Danny Trejo. <laughs> Whose character is named Rondo? Yep. And we find this out when he looks at the he looks at the list of names and says, <laughs> "That's a funny ass name." And the sheriff says, "Look who's talking, Rondo." And Danny <laughs> Trejo very abruptly stops laughing and looks at him with genuine hurt in his eyes. <laughs> Danny Trejo's great to be the guy that stops laughing and gets offended. I love Danny Trejo. He's really, like, it's a great role for him to play. It's so perfect. Because he he just, every character he plays feels so sincere. The man is just having a good time. I've never seen him play a character. He just shows up and he's Danny Trejo. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> like, whether it's Devil's Rejects or fucking Spy Kids, he's the same, and I love that. Machete. What is Rondo, if not just Machete, in a different context, you know? 
more of a machete context, actually. <laughs> Honestly, I haven't seen the machete movies, but like I've seen one of them. Oh yeah, How I is think it? it was like the third one. Is it as completely stupid as I would expect? It's just fun. It's just yeah. Danny Trejo doing killing and shit. Yep. Hell yeah, that's you all it needs to be. You that is gotta. I've got to get to it. Anyways, though, I think he's in um, Planet Terror. Is he or Death Proof? I think he might be in one of those. He's in one of those two. Okay, uh, he might be. Neat. I'll find out later. So anyways, they get the list of names and they end up finding Charlie Altamont because mm -hmm. he went by a different Marx Brothers name and they found out where he was currently living under the name Charlie Altamont. And then um, they they call the sheriff and they let him know. And uh, the sheriff goes, he's machete oh my and God, planet he's, terror. <laughs> he's machete and planet terror. Oh, oh my God. God. All right. All right. Hell yeah. Anyway, um, so this has gotten us a little bit ahead of ourselves, though. It has. Because we've got to get back to where uh, the three are. Oh, that's right. Which means we got to go back to, to the two. Back to the two. Back to the motel with Otis and Baby, where they are holding Banjo and Sullivan at gunpoint still. And at this point, Otis is just kind of sitting in a chair. Actually, this is directly after the very upsetting assault scene. No, we're about to go into that scene. Oh, I already talked about the beginning of it. We have already talked about it, but we haven't gotten chronologically to where it hits. Yeah, this okay. is where that hits. Yeah. Otis is just kind of sitting there and uh, Baby is doing this very annoying like song and dance routine that's mm -hmm. basically what it comes down to is that she is like fondling her boobs and shaking her ass directly in front of Roy and his wife. Mm-hmm. And this is when Otis says the you you thinking bad thoughts looking at my sister thing. And Roy's like, no. And he's like, well, why not? <laughs> and Roy's like, I'm a married man. And Otis is like, oh, round of applause for the married man over here. And then he makes his wife get up and take off her clothes and et cetera. Yeah, it's very bad. Um, it. It's graphic. Nothing is shown explicitly, but it is, I mean, very little at least. Very is little shown is shown explicitly, very explicitly but, like, but it is very graphic. You know exactly what's happening the whole time, and he's doing it in a very traumatic, in front of a bunch of people context. And yeah. it's like, ugh, gross to watch, feels very bad. We were talking after we finished recording and thought that it would be good for me to come back and kind of emphasize that. One of the things that we think is actually done well about this scene is that it's not shot in the kind of um, gross and like voyeuristic kind of way that a lot of rape scenes in a lot of movies unfortunately tend to get shot in. It's shot in just a very like, you're not supposed to enjoy this kind of way. And it's really unfortunate that that's worth pointing out, but it, the fact is that it is. And we think that that's something that Rob did pretty well here actually. And once he's done doing that, Otis says, well, all right, now me and the boys are going to head off someplace uh, to uh, run some errands and uh, we're going to be back. And you, you know, you two have fun with baby while I'm gone. And he takes Roy and Banjo mm -hmm. and they leave. Now, Roy, uh, not not Roy, sorry, Banjo has mm -hmm. been handling this very, very poorly the whole time. He's he really been has. Lying so on has the bed. Roy, frankly. Roy to has be just fair, shut Roy has off. just shut down and he's just sort of sitting there motionless. He just is kinda, fully in shock. Yeah. Meanwhile, Banjo has been lying on the bed with his head in his wife's lap, praying the whole time. And she's clearly not taking it great either, but she's a lot more connected to reality than he is. Mm -hmm. At some point, while something upsetting was happening, Banjo like threw up on the floor and 
Otis drives off with the guys in the car and they get to somewhere and they park the car and get out and he makes them walk in front of him while he points the gun at them. And then while he's taught while they're walking, he starts taunting them about the fact that he essentially just raped this guy's wife in front of him. And he starts talking about maybe doing the same with Banjo's wife, Wendy. Mm -hmm. And he starts talking rather crassly about her body. And then he says <laughs> this really funny line. This is a scene where Otis isn't like on. He's not in Manson mode yeah, here. He's, he he's doesn't turn on until casual. about halfway through it. Yeah. And he says, does she like when you throw up? Is that like part of your deal? <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Which is maybe the funniest thing he could possibly have said in this Easily. scene. Oh, it's so funny. Nobody laughs, obviously. Yeah. Um, and not even Otis. <laughs> and eventually Roy is like, what are we doing out here? And Otis is like, well, I guess there's no harm in having you guys know what we're going to do is we're heading off to uh, dig up some guns that I buried out here a couple of years ago. And they're like, OK, then what? And Otis says, well, then there's no what. Uh, it's going to be the end of the line. And Roy takes too long to put this together and says, you're not going to kill us. <laughs> and Otis is like, I don't see why I wouldn't do that. And Roy's like, well, but you said if we did what you told us to. And Otis is like, well, <laughs> first of all, once again, this is a scene where it's just it's really funny that he's saying this the way that he does. He's like, well, first of all, I didn't say anything. And the way that he's like gesturing with his hands and stuff is just so casual as though he's it's not so holding funny. them at gunpoint. He's like, I haven't told you anything. And then he turns on a dime and starts screaming. And he's like, second. I'm the one calling the fucking shots here. You mm -hmm. can, and the line that he says here is also really funny. He says, you can consider me Willy fucking Wonka. This is my chocolate factory. So funny. But then Banjo hits him in the head with a piece of wood. Yeah. And he goes down. And he goes down and Roy gets the gun. But he takes so Roy long. is no good under pressure. And mm -hmm. Otis is a great scrambler, as wrestlers say. Mm-hmm. And he manages not to take the gun out of his hand, but to get him to aim the gun at Banjo and shoot him in the neck. Yep. And then he pries the gun from his hand and goes to start taunting Banjo as he bleeds out. Mm -hmm. And this also, is where I love Otis. Otis, has, yeah. And this is where all the edgelords, unfortunately, love Otis, but like unironically. Yeah, because they like the same things that I like, but it's in a different way. I like it in the better way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing he, a different thing. He does this whole speech about, why don't you pray to your God and see if he'll save you? Yeah. He's, I want well, lightning he, to rain down on my head. He goes to start taunting Banjo, and Banjo says, fuck you. And he's like, fuck you. They all say that. Well, guess what? That doesn't scare me, and it's not going to save you. It doesn't make you a fucking hero suddenly. You did everything that I told you right up until now because you're a bitch. Mm. And then he goes into the, uh, he says, like, you want to see, see something cool? You want to see badass? I'll fucking show you badass. And he goes over to taunt Roy and he says, I want you to pray to your God. I want lightning to come down and strike me. And Roy starts hitting him with this really half-hearted prayer. He's 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 not really putting much into this. He's really not. No. Um, not, and to, not to gatekeep being Christian. Not to gatekeep prayer here, but Roy's not doing very good. He's not, he, he could be trying a lot Church harder. people will tell you there's no wrong way to pray, but this is one There of them. is a wrong way to pray, and this is it, yeah. Because he says, bless the bunnies and bless the little birds. And Otis rightfully mocks him for this. Oh, he makes fun of him so hard. And he's like, I don't feel anything. I love this scene. It's really good. And then eventually you feel Roy Bill Mosley's energy. Yeah. In a crazy the man is way. charismatic as hell. And that's 
you can that's that's the thing about 31 is you have some really charismatic Absolutely. acting. That's the thing about this. The charisma uh-huh. and energy that Rob gets his actors to radiate is yeah. insane. He's going crazy. So Roy gets to a particular line and Otis suddenly goes, "Oh, oh, I feel it." I feel the spirit filling my body. I feel the love of the God, God, God Almighty. He says God three times, and I think that's an intentional thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he like kind of stops, and he's like got his arms still up and stuff, and he looks down at Roy, and his hair's all in his face, as it's gotten all in his face, because the wind's mm-hmm. blowing this whole time. And I love the way he does this particular moment. He pulls his hair out of his face and holding it there in a completely different tone than he's been talking this whole time, goes... I am the devil and I am here to do the devil's work. And then he beats Roy to death with the piece of wood that Banjo hit him with. And then he goes and he stabs Banjo. Oh my God, I love this scene. Meanwhile, uh, Baby has just kind of been sitting there playing with a knife to be a little scary to her hostages. And Mm -hmm. Wendy asks if she can use the bathroom and Baby doesn't respond. And this is a thing that she did a little bit in House of a Thousand Corpses as well, where she's Mm -hmm. asked a question and just doesn't act as though she hears it. Yeah, because either she's pouting or she's like, this isn't important to me. Or she's like distracted somehow. Yeah, she decides it's just not important. And the other hostage... uh, It's ADHD rep, uh, baby ADHD icon, just is not paying attention to you. (laughs) Oh, totally. She's just not... (laughs) So the other hostage repeats the question, can she use the bathroom? And baby says, I heard you the first time. I'm thinking... It's so good. And it's like, you know, the whole way through, Otis and Baby are very obviously both always just doing annoying things to bait people into attacking them, right? Yeah. It's pretty clear that this is all that they're doing. It's pretty clear this is all that Baby's doing in this scene. And she's like, I mean, you know, what what are you going to do for me? I'm letting you go and use the bathroom, but you can just sit on the bed and piss yourself for all I care. What am I getting here? And she says, I want you to do something for me. I want you to hit her in the face really hard. I want to hear it. And There's she a tap. Uh-huh. And she does exactly what baby told her not to do. A love tap. And baby's like, no, harder, for real. And she hits her harder. And baby's like, that's not good enough. Harder, for real. Like you mean it. And she hits her hard. And baby's like, okay, now you give me a kiss and say, thank you, baby. I'm having a really good time. And then you can use the bathroom. Mm-hmm. So she does. And as she's walking to the bathroom, baby like throws an empty can at her. And she's like, don't try anything cute. The moment she's in that room, you she know tries she something does? cute. She tries something cute. Mm. She goes to smash the bathroom window and climb out of it. So baby is now like a little distracted in dealing with the other hostage. Just a little, yeah. Other hostage, uh, Gloria. After a little struggle, Gloria gets her hands on the gun that baby had, and baby looks at her Ooh. with what appears to be hurt in her eyes, and she's like, "What are you gonna do? Kill me?" I'm the only thing standing between you and my brother right now. You've seen him. He's fucking crazy. And Gloria tries to shoot her. Gloria pulls the trigger. And the gun's empty. It's been empty the whole fucking time. The whole time. And baby says, it's been empty the whole time. It's just mind games. And she throws her knife and the knife sinks into this woman's chest and she bleeds out and dies. Yep. Meanwhile, Wendy is trying to get out of the bathroom and what she manages it right no she runs out the door yeah she runs past the body out the front door yeah and then it looks like she's getting away and then spalding gets her spalding shows up and and brings her back and then they wait and otis comes back and he's not happy to see spalding cut her 
he is real unhappy to be seeing Cutter. Yeah. Not like and Baby. He... This is Baby's father. Uh, as far yeah, as the movie tells us. Apparently, yeah, she calls him dad. So like... Once again, Otis is adopted. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, well, all right. What? Whatever. <laughs> so Otis comes back and he's wearing Banjo's face on his face because Rob likes cutting off faces and wearing them as masks. But so does uh, so does Otis. As this Clearly. is his second, this time, is his doing second it. time doing it. This is just I'm one sure of his he things. also does it in three from hell. And they're annoyed at Otis for taking so long coming back. I expect an awful lot of that time was spent cutting off that guy's face and making it into a mask that he could wear because that has to be time consuming. Mm hmm. Um, and they're like, did you get the guns? And he's like, yeah, I got the guns. And they're like, all right, so we've just got this one more, uh, victim to deal with. And they're like, uh, oh, what do we, what do we do with her? And at first they're like, we leave her for the maid to clean up. And then Otis is like, I got a better idea. So they pose all the bodies. This is revealed to us through a scene where the, uh, an employee of the hotel is just going through cleaning the rooms, enters this room and has to attempt to clean it up. Basically, what they do is they pose all the bodies in the bathroom with a bunch of shit written in blood on the walls. Uh, the Devil's Rejects, fuck Wydell, etc. Yeah. And meanwhile, the girl is tied up, wearing her boyfriend's face over her face as a mask, and she's, like, hanging from the inside of the door. And uh, upon the hotel employee coming in, she sees all of this, and accidentally knocks Wendy down from where she's suspended on the door. Wendy, begging for help the whole time, runs out the door and just kind of keeps running until she runs into the road and gets pancaked by a semi. That does not touch the brakes until it's well off screen. Yeah. That and she was, was in the road for kind of a while, so it kind of seems like that guy just wasn't trying. Yeah, he was not paying attention. Yeah. So then we get this scene with uh, Wydell showing up and talking to the local cops about things. And they're, and he's like, have you gotten anything out of uh, the hotel maid who came and found her, who found all of this? And, and the cop is like, well, we can't really because she doesn't speak much English and none of us know any Spanish. Wydell's unhappy about Wydell this. Wydell is very, uh, very unamused by these guys. The guy, the, the one cop says, uh, we've got one guy on the team who <laughs> does speak Spanish, but he wasn't able to be here because he's got what he calls explosive diarrhea. And Wydell <laughs> is like, will you shut the fuck up right now? He's so unhappy with and these he goes, guys. And because Wydell speaks Spanish, he goes and talks to her. Mm -hmm. And when he addresses her, he uses uh, usted to address her, which I, I thought was kind of an interesting touch. You got to explain it's what that the, means. It's the formal version of you. Okay. I think it's kind of interesting for him in this context to be addressing her with the formal you. Oh, it's kind of like saying, hello, ma'am. Uh, kind of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and he talks to her and finds that basically that she knows nothing. And uh, and that's the the size of that scene. Then he goes and talks to Danny Trejo and uh, Dallas Page again. And boy, howdy. They know something. They know some things. They managed and to they track know down where the... Charlie Altamont is, and they're yep. pretty sure that that's where um, all of our uh, all of our main characters are headed. So now we get the scene of the three of them on the road, and this is where the movie kind of takes a minute to be a little lighthearted. We get the ice cream scene and everything, and Rob gives us some time where, like, yeah, your 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 horrible savage killers are all just kind of on a road trip together, and they're just doing regular road trip shit. And then they arrive at Charlie Altamont's brothel, 
where there is what appears to be a rather tense standoff between him and Cutter. And they're like yelling at each other. And uh, they're, Spalding is throwing all kinds of detailed insults his way. And Charlie's pointing a shotgun at him the whole right, time. Right up his nose, yep. And he's not backing down on none of this shit. Not at all. And everyone is real, real worried about it until Charlie pulls the trigger and it's a water gun it's, <laughs> that looks like a real shotgun. Like It's so good. What the fuck? And he shoots him in the face with a stream of water and they both laugh and they're like, that's a really funny thing that we used to do to people and it still works. Ah! He's like, isn't this the best water gun you've ever seen? <laughs> it is. And they have their little party. <laughs> and they have themselves a party at the brothel. Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately, the next day, when Charlie Altamont's getting chickens for some reason from the guy who's like... Well, because his brother makes the best fried chicken. Oh, that's right. This yeah. is one of those scenes that I think should get cut. I do not think this scene belongs in the movie at all. Oh, it's just a guy talking about fucking a it's dead chicken. It's just Charlie and Cleavon going and buying a pair of chickens, and this guy is like, y'all ain't planning on fucking these chickens, are you? And they're both like, and what Charlie's the fuck like, are you talking about? What the about? fuck? Why would you say that? Are you saying, are you accusing me of fucking chickens? Do you fuck chickens? And the guy's like, well, I've thought about it a few times. But then later he says he doesn't approve of it. But he does also have a very detailed accounting of how one might go about having a good time with it. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, and Cleavon is also very, very offended by the fact that the guy says he looks sexually frustrated. <laughs> and he's like, this guy's calling me a chicken fucker. We're never talking to this guy again, are we? we we've got yeah, to find a new so guy funny. to buy chickens He apologizes from. to Charlie. He's like, I'm sorry, we're never going to this guy again. Yeah, like... <laughs> and then they're... But while they are there, they're stopped by Wydell too. Yeah. And he's just like, you make sure they're there at midnight. And he's like why he's like because if you don't i'll kill you right now he's like okay all right then so they have themselves another party that night mm -hmm. and it seems like this one's a little bit more laid back it seems like uh you know charlie and cutter are kind of having their like more private time doing cocaine together yeah and baby is like in a bath with some woman one of the you know one of the uh the yeah. employees of the brothel i assume uh with uh Oh, no, because Otis um, is with candy. Yeah, Otis yeah. is with candy. Yeah. They're because, all having a great time because she <clears throat> doesn't disappoint, which is a really funny thing to say after Otis says, I set my expectations low, so I'm never disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, I don't disappoint. And everyone's like, ooh, and it's like, well, that this is nothing. <laughs> but uh, while everyone is distracted, the unholy two show up mm -hmm. and not only do they kill, kill everyone in the place that isn't one of our core everyone that crew. isn't charlie or one of the core crew because they were instructed specifically that wydell didn't care what kind of shape they were in long as they were alive long enough for him to have his fun with them and we do get a few more scenes of him just kind of being unhinged ranting at himself in a mirror and that kind yeah. of thing yeah, it's like a three-minute scene of him yelling at himself in a mirror. Yeah, it That's feels one of those... like they were filming a thing that he was just doing as like a character exercise, mm -hmm. almost. And it really drives home that like this dude's not okay. And this is when he has that nightmare about his brother as well. And anyways, the unholy two get uh, get the devil's rejects all rounded up and tied up down Ooh, to yeah. some chairs. And Wydell gets them. He takes them back to the house, doesn't he? To the house of 1,000 corpses. 
He does. And he starts holding up pictures printed out of their victims and using this like fucking nail gun. It's a stapler that it's sounds a sta- like a nail gun. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's one of those big like, He uses the world's loudest stapler to start stapling these pictures to their chest. It's great, honestly. It's, it's a, a good really scene. good scene, especially he holds it up and he's like, "Whose was this?" Cuz Otis is like out of it. He gets stapled and he's like, "What the fuck is happening?" Yeah. I think he's on Molly, isn't he? And then he gets those nails stuck through his hands. I think God. he's I, I think they show him like taking some pills or something. Yeah. But yeah, as baby is up for the second Spalding picture. Spalding has like, been doing cocaine all night and recently smoked an entire joint really, really fast. Really, really fast. <laughs> so like he's in some kind of state. He's but it's also like... very unhappy that baby voluntarily took the second picture. He's like, hey, shut up. It's really weird <laughs> that she takes credit for the second one so readily when she knows what's coming, but then when he goes to staple it to her she acts surprised it's really good she's, like, ah! <laughs> she's just like oh yeah that's mine oh what the fuck and then you know you the scene continues when he fucking nails otis to the chair now there's like seven pictures fucking stuck on his chest yeah and baby has like four spalding has none of course because for some reason he didn't kill any of the people there he's yeah. too busy serving fried chicken so then Wydell's plan now is to let baby go for some reason and then set the house on fire for otis and spalding to die yeah. there well because he wants to hunt her down he wants to hunt her for some reason because he's bad now well yeah he he's gone so... fully off the deep end yeah. at this point and yeah, he has gone fully thing. fucking firefly about it he's full he's gone fully fucking firefly mm-hmm Fully fucking firefly. <laughs> Fully fucking <laughs> firefly. Uh, and he gets her too. The tootie fucking fruity bit really is just funny. It, it's really good. There's, it's, there's it's literally more just great the two of them being annoying to moments. Otis, but like it's fun. There's more great moments in this movie than there are in House of a Thousand Corpses. And that oh, is infinitely more. One, and that is a And this movie one. isn't trying to be fun no. as much as House of a Thousand Corpses was. No, it's not trying to be fun at all. It's just... Good. It just ends up that way and sometimes and really desperately not fun at other times. Yeah, <laughs> but, but you're um, never going to guess who comes to the fucking rescue when well, baby well, well, is on hold the on, ground. Hold on, hold on now. He's chasing baby and he chases her off through this like cattle corral. Yeah, because they had cows. They had cows apparently. Very odd. You know, um, they're in Texas. They so. didn't seem like cow people. Are they in Texas? They are. Oh, okay. Makes more sense now, right? It feels as though it's supposed to be in Texas, but it's shot in California, and it, for the most part, looks that way. Yep, but it looks but like a I, guy from not from Texas's idea of Texas. Yes. Yeah, where it's all just like, I don't know, desert, right? <laughs> Every honestly, now and then, you got a little prairie going on. It's more Arizona than anything. Uh, I've never been to Arizona, so I don't know. I've watched Breaking Bad, so. That's in New Mexico. God damn it. I said <laughs> the wrong place. <laughs> Anyways, so he's chasing Baby, and this scene is actually really intense. The guy who plays Wydell, uh, William Forsyth, yeah. is super, super intense in this scene. Apparently, oh, yeah. the way that this scene went was so intense in the shooting that when they got to the point where Wydell actually finally kicked it, because Tiny comes to the rescue and twists his head all the way around mm-hmm. just before he can actually kill Baby, he shoots yeah. her in the leg and like breaks a bone in there. You hear it happen. Mm-hmm. Good noise. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Um, apparently after shooting this scene, Sherry had to take like a couple of days off of working on this movie because it was just a lot for her. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. She seems like she's having a bad fucking time. Mm hmm. 
He doesn't seem like he's having a good time either. But he's at but least he's the not on the of the bad time. End. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, they get to uh, yeah. So so Wydell now dead. Tiny helps baby get up and get into the car. She tells him. Um, Otis and Captain Spaulding are still inside the house. So he goes into the burning house, pulls the nails out of Otis's hands, unties the both of them. They get out. And it's at this point that he, instead of getting into the car with them, chooses to go back into the burning house and die. Yeah, I don't know why he chose to go back in. And Otis says, um, aren't you coming with us? And he like shakes his head and he's and Otis says, we'll come back for you. And Tiny goes into the house and there's like a big flare up and there's like an explosion sound. It's very clearly indicated he's dead. Mm -hmm. And I cannot figure out why that is what happens. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but then uh, they keep driving. This is where we get the Freebird scene. This is the Freebird scene. Yeah. Because now we're in our triumphant final like part. Yeah. They escaped they have the escaped. crazy lawman. And they're just driving along and Freebird starts to play and there is no, there's no noise outside of Freebird. And it's just Freebird. Yeah. There's no diegetic sounds whatsoever. Yeah. It's just Freebird. They're and driving it, the fucking pimp mobile. And as it builds in its intensity, it hits, you know, it hits the guitar solo and that guitar solo comes in real hot at the beginning. Um, well, the, the, you know, the, the big, the mm -hmm. big, like high yeah, energy one. Well, even before they hit that point, actually, like it's, they're still coming to that point. And Spalding, oh, yeah. or and Otis and they, stops the car. Because they see the police blocking the road. It's a roadblock. It's one final and they're go. they're all like half, they're, they're all like half conscious. And they're oh, like, yeah. oh no, we're still going. And Otis drags and out as, a few guns to throw in the back seat. Yeah, he drags out a few guns and he everyone has one. And as the guitar solo starts to hit the really intense stuff, they're gunning it toward the cops and then... Open cut, to, fire. cut hard to black no music tons of gunfire mm -hmm. and then the credits roll what an ending oh my it's god it's such an ending it is holy shit like i like movies of rob's made after this i really am a big fan of his halloween duo i still haven't seen those there i need to i need to. there's bad moments in them sure his director's cut is not about, great i have been warned about this yeah but halloween 2 is just really good like it's actually a... it seems like there's a huge divide between people who say his Halloween 2 is horrible and people who say it's better than his first one. It is better than his first one, in my opinion, because the you're movie, one of those then. OK, the movie lands in the camp of what happens to the people after they survive these things. Ooh, that's Halloween, too, but not in the Halloween kills kind of way, I assume. No, not in the Halloween kills. Evil does not die tonight. Well, that's the thing is Halloween kills is a festering wound. Mm, OK, this is more immediate. Or more like uh, shortly it, after and whatnot. It's one year later. Oh, okay. Just like this. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. It's really good. But I like the, his Halloween movies. I love Lords of Salem. I love I Lords enjoy of Salem. 31. I think 31 has some cool shit in it and overall is a movie that I cannot enjoy. <laughs> so fair. There's 30% of a every great Every moment movie. that Richard Brake is on screen, I love it. Oh my I God. I love that guy. I tell you what. It's so he good. has not wrecked. He he Richard Brake has not let me down yet. I feel like mm, he's never. always just doing these off the wall parts in these really odd movies. 
Yeah. And he's just, he's really good. He's really good in 31. He's good in Mandy for the brief period that he's in that. I haven't seen Mandy yet. You have got to watch Mandy. I have, Mandy. I oh own it God. because I got it from a friend of mine who hated it. He was like, I'm just throwing it away so you can have it. What kind of person hates that movie? Oh my God. I don't know, actually. I'd... Someone who doesn't like looking at cool things? Like... Here's the thing. This dude loves schlocky horror and oh. loves oh, horror I see the in general. And there's nothing that, well, from everything I Mandy's... know about Mandy, he shouldn't dislike it. Sure, but like, it's not really horror and it's not... Oh, um false billing moment where you well, think it's going to be scary. Like, it is... Hor- it, it definitely has a lot of horror to it, but I I would definitely back an argument that it's not really a horror movie. Yeah, because it's more focused on being like, uh, you know, not to give spoilers, but it's a revenge movie. Yeah, and it's got a lot of horror elements to it for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. But it's really not being a horror movie in the traditional sense, you know. That, okay, and makes sense. If he's into schlocky horror movies, it's going to come across too art housey. That's fair. That said. It's not immensely art housey, but it is pano. Uh, it's um, art housey. It is panos cosmatos. Like yeah. So but back back. To anyways, this, yeah. Back to this, Devil's Rejects. As much as what I hate mandate. to say it, this might be Rob's best movie. You think? This is at least my favorite Rob Zombie. I might have rated Lords of Salem higher on Letterboxd, but I hadn't watched this movie in like ten years. They've got very different atmospheres is the thing. And I like that that shows some of Rob's like, uh, you know, range that people don't think he has. Yeah. I would love for him to start making more movies that he cares a little less about. This may sound odd. No, but I I I get that. I want to see what happens when Rob has someone else in like the writing room. Oh, okay. Okay. You know, I want to see him like... I want to see other people working with his ideas rather than everything being purely written and directed by Rob Zombie the way that yeah, this yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Much as I love this, right? I want to see him working with some other people. I want to see him like in a writing room with somebody else. I want to see somebody else making some of the creative decisions because I feel like if you paired him with the right people, they could turn out something really incredible because Rob's got a good sense for a lot of things. It's just that he doesn't have the perfect sense for everything. And mm-hmm. that even might be a wrong statement because everything he does that I don't like, I know he's doing it on purpose. He is doing it on purpose and half of, sometimes and a lot that's of it even is just to not, get a rise. He's not trying to be popular is no. the big thing. He's making like, his movies the way he's for talked, his people. Yeah, you listen to the way he talks about what his approach has always been, even from the white zombie days. Mm-hmm. He has never given a shit Mm-mm. about what he expects other people to like. He not just a, wants to do the bit. thing that he likes. Mm-hmm. And that I I find absolutely impossible to fault as a creative approach. Yeah, because like what whatever he's making, you know, that's what he wanted it to be. He wanted it to be exactly that. Yeah, like I I feel stupid even saying that I want to see him work with other people, so he would have to compromise more, right? Mm-hmm. Because like, why should I want that for someone? Right. But some people really do turn out their best work when they're bouncing ideas off of someone. Right, and that would be. If you Interesting just to right see person. at the very least, because if it's bad, I still have like six Rob yeah. Zombie movies that are so good. Absolutely. And one that's fun. And The Monsters. And The Monsters. I still haven't watched that because I've never seen Neither The Monsters. Yeah, I'm not. I'm just not interested. In I, I feel like there's nothing there for me. Yeah. You know? Hate to say it, but there's just not. I'm looking forward to the next thing he does. I'll watch that. Probably. I'll always watch the next thing he does. Yeah, absolutely. But, very into it. Can't wait to watch Three from Hell. Yeah, me too. Frankly, I really want to like it. Yeah. I've just 
you know it's a I know 12 it years have... after the fact sequel and i and there's no sid haig in it because he died because he died partway through making it yeah, yeah there's a so couple of very brief scenes with him in it i think i believe there's scenes with him in prison uh and then he's sent to death row or something or he mm. dies in prison yeah but he looks he looks rough i i would bet yeah real real sad I've never heard any accounts of him being like a piece of shit in real life or anything. No, Seems like everything I've heard him... is he's a fucking doll. Yeah. Honestly. And that's what you hear about Rob for the most part, too. I've never Everyone, heard a bad story from a person who met Rob Zombie. People who say he's not great, either it comes out, oh, well, these guys have bad opinions all the time. They're kind of an issue. Or it's tour drama. And tours are sometimes not that great. Well, sure, because you know? like he had that big fine. public beef with Marilyn Manson for yeah, a really you know long what? time, and Fucking you know what? He too. was right about Fuck that. Fuck Marilyn Manson. Yeah. Also, but that was it, a thing that a lot of people didn't like him for for a long time. It was is so that funny he because publicly hated Marilyn Manson. Well, no, that wasn't even the thing. They had one fight on their tour oh, where Manson flipped shit and what was just surprise. like "fuck you, zombie," and then he's like "yeah, fuck you, Manson." Yeah. Be and. It was like a two show thing where they had public beef and he's like, yeah, we got over that by the time the news stations picked this up. Uh, like, come on. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was making fun of the fucking news cycles at that point. Oh, good. He's um, right. Once again, he's right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but I, I love the devil's rejects. That it's is just I really good. It's really to, well done. I need to get a devil's rejects poster in this room. I mean, I got a fucking candy man Friday the 13th one. and Bioshock, you know? Yeah. That's what I bring to the table here. Oh, those are the only ones of all the posters in this room? Um, Our listeners cannot see this room, but it's very, it, it is actually pretty clear which ones are Noah's and which yeah. ones are Nina's because the ones that are Nina's are 50 50. Um, self made merch for self made merch Nina's books. for Nina's own uh, books and such. And uh, there's a lot of X Men posters. Yeah. A lot. A lot. Uh, uh, I also, that Plague Doctor, that's mine from the Mutter Museum. Oh, that's cool. If y'all ever get the chance to go there in Philly, the Motor Museum, you gotta go. It's a good it's a, Plague Doctor poster as well. I mean, fair warning, I am telling you to go look at human remains uh, because that's what the museum They've is. Got, like, a bunch a whole of people wall donated full of fucked up skulls. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's and uh, human skin uh, preserved for the tattoos. There's oh. a lot of stuff. It's, it's morbid as hell. It's morbid as hell. There's a there's an entire section devoted to. Um, <laughs> miscarriages and like oh yeah stuff like that like preserved Speaking specimens of babies and in jars from earlier <laughs> yeah right but it's a it's a very it's a very unique experience and it is a it's a really cool moment to be able to go in there's no photography allowed inside and that it's just sense. like devoted to the appreciation of life and death uh when you say there's no photography allowed inside they do have extensive pictures on like their website and stuff yeah it's not yeah, as when i say no photography this thing yeah, it's, they don't it's, want you taking your be, own pictures and frankly it's because it's disrespectful these are people right. who their bodies were donated by family yeah um the museum doesn't own all of these pieces some of these are like on loan at like many museums uh when right, i went yeah. there it was December of 2019, and their big display was the Spanish flu because that was 1920. And they're like, Ooh. hey, it's the 100 year anniversary of the Spanish flu wiping out a huge chunk of America's home population during the fucking World War. Good thing that'll never happen again. Literally. I got somewhere <laughs> around here, I still have my spit spreads death pin because people used to think that's how the flu was spread. So many people spat on the ground. They're like, you're spitting on the ground. It's evaporating and into dust and we're inhaling it. And that's why everyone's sick. 
So everyone wore masks. And they had like and a huge helped. public like and the public masks, health pushed for people yeah. to stop spitting on the street, which is a fantastic thing to be Firstly. pushing for because that's disgusting. And people wore masks and got healthier. And then the soldiers came home and they didn't want to wear the masks anymore because it wasn't fun. And a lot more people got sick again. Fucking history. Yep. Fucking over and over. Yeah. And it, I, I'm not mad. Well, and also the Spanish flu epidemic is a very difficult one to calculate the death toll of because it was during World War One. Yeah, so, so it's like a ton of people are dying regardless. It's yeah. really difficult to tally what's from what and very annoying. Anyway, though, if you get a chance to go there. But yeah, yeah. I think a, a fucking Devil's Reject poster would go hard. Oh, yeah. Look real good on that particular patch of water. I was right actually there, I think. thinking the exact same thing. Yeah. But anyway, thank you for being here for uh, House of a Thousand Rejects. What a time this has been. Um... If you only watch one of these movies, watch a synopsis for the first one and watch The Devil's Rejects. Yeah. Is there like a kill count or something? I think there is. If Dead Meat has covered uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, I think that might be the best way to figure out whether you want to watch it. Because it's definitely one of those movies that like I would not recommend to someone without having a specific reason to believe that they should. Yeah. Yeah. He covered it. He, uh, oh, James if, has covered it. Hell if yeah. If he covered that, then that means he also he yeah, also he did, did Devil's, Devil's Rejects. Rejects and he probably I did, three, he did from three from Hell. Yeah. If it's still up there, that's that's the big question because a lot of his, lot of his kill counts get taken down, down yeah, anymore. It's very, very sad. Um, but yeah, if you're interested in the sound of this, I would say you don't need to watch House of a Thousand Corpses in order to get Devil's Rejects. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are interested in the notion of watching these things, I would definitely encourage you to watch the kill count videos on them first to decide whether you want to do that. Here's the thing. I watched Devil's Rejects first. Did you? I did. Oh. I watched them out of order. The only thing you miss is that Spaulding is a bigger character in House of a Thousand Corpses as Captain Spaulding than he is in Devil's Rejects. Right. He's if a bigger he, character in Devil's Rejects, but he's not in his capacity as the captain. No. He's Cutter. And if you want to see more Spaulding, you got to see Corpses. But if you just watch Devil's Rejects, you're not missing out on too much it once again, I really do believe House of a Thousand Corpses is an experience to be had, sure. not necessarily a fun time. The first time that I watched it, I went in being like, all right, this is the first movie Rob Zombie ever made. So this is the first of his movies that I'm going to watch. And I'm just going to find out what the deal is with it. And the whole time I was watching it, I was like, this is exactly what you would think based on his music that his movie would be like. Yeah. So if that it's, sounds like anything that makes sense to you, because yeah, that is really, it's, it, he, that's it. Honestly, a lot of what he's going for in it reminds me of, I compared it to like a Tarantino thing, but it's also kind of like, and this is going to take a little explaining, a little thinking. It reminds me a little bit of like a Tim Burton, except that the oh. it's just that the styles he's appropriating are not gothic and silent era movies. Mm-hmm. It's... 50s 60s 70s schlock and exploitation monster say, movies and such it's hammer horror exactly and he's grabbing from a different bag of aesthetics past. but he's doing kind of the same thing with it that tim burton tends to do with the stuff that he likes yeah you got any final thoughts on this stuff uh on it seems like we've already talked a lot about all of our generalized thoughts on rob zombie as a filmmaker on these movies yeah. sort of in general and that's why i feel like these were two good ones to do uh together because frankly there's not a lot to talk about them 
enough to make an episode. We How could. do you have a regular conversation about for a whole episode about House of a Thousand Corpses? But a loose just... conversation during the big recap is, yeah. I think, the only way to truly handle these. Whether it's four of us, that's way harder to do. Yeah, very different. Uh, but very just different. the two of us, it's easy for one of us to bring us back into line, but we can still drift around. But I don't... There's no... We watch some movies that have like a grand a statement to make. Yeah, these movies these, do not. They don't have a statement. This is Rob saying, hey. What if this was happening? That'd wouldn't be it fucked be up. fucked up if? And yeah. then we see, wouldn't it be fucked up if uh, the Fireflies existed? And it's like, damn, that would. And he's like, hey, wouldn't it be fucked up if... More? They, if um they got away <laughs> yeah what if the family if was finally about to face fucking justice and get shot dead the way that we all know they deserve to be but then three of them were able to just get away you know mm -hmm. and they just went um you know causing havoc wherever they went because they don't give a shit about anything at all what if that you know i imagine three from hell is just more of the same probably yeah. To to some degree or another. I can't imagine it going uh, a surprising direction. I don't know. It's 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 here. You know, it's it sure just, is. It's nice to every now and then it's nice to watch a movie that it doesn't have a point to be made. There is no societal statement being made other than the part about the cop descending down to the fireflies level. Be careful when you hunt monsters that you don't become one. It definitely feels you know? like the movie's doing a little anti-cop stuff. It's a little anti-cop and it's actually, no scratch that the movie's doing a lot of anti-cop stuff actually, because all the non Wydell cops are shown to be dumb. Oh and my incompetent. God. Every one of them is the most incompetent fucker yeah. that you've ever seen. In your and life. they could not be bothered to give a single shit about anything. Mm -hmm. And even why Dell is angry about this, because he's in it for all the wrong reasons, but at least he cares. Is he fully prepared to start committing war crimes the moment he sees the fireflies? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And that's a big, big problem. It indeed. But is this a is huge not problem. his feeling toward absolutely everyone. It's no. directed specifically and focused on the fireflies. I mean, he's really like kind to the maid. He is actually in a way that the other cops are not. And he no. is annoyed at them for this. Yeah. Because he's like, treat her like a fucking person. Yeah. Imagine And he that treats shit. her like a person God. using the, uh, the formal honorifics. Mm-hmm. Finds Which out she might doesn't... be normal for that particular interaction. Yeah. I don't know. Finds but... out she doesn't know anything and doesn't just go, ah, oh, fuck you and leave. Yeah, he says something else to He's her like, okay, before thanks. he leaves. And, and leaves. his tone kind of makes it seem as though, uh, I don't I don't know what he said. It's mm. not translated in subtitles or anything. So uh, I don't know what that last line he says to her is, but it comes across as though he's saying like, uh, I don't know, like you're not in trouble, you're all right or something. Yeah. And it, I, I just really like this. It's really well done. It's just good. It's upsetting at times. Yeah. And the um, the roller coaster of emotions you get from having some of the most upsetting scenes I've seen in uh in a movie that I was not expecting. Like Inside, yeah. I mentioned earlier. Yeah. I knew that I knew what that movie was fucking about. Mm -hmm. Right? I knew what I was getting into when I watched Inside. I didn't know what I was getting into when I watched The Devil's Rejects. And this is a lot when you don't know what you're getting into. I had a it's vague idea what I was getting into with Devil's Rejects when I went into it because I was told that it was actually a good like Western horror movie. Mm -hmm. And I was excited for that. Western like kind Yeehaw of, uh, or Western like America? Western like Yeehaw. Okay, yeah, yeah. Which it is. It's yeah. very much Western styled. 
Um, the Dead and Lovely guys actually compared parts of the the, the plot movements to uh, Star Wars: The Empire Strikes Back. I definitely get that. And Star Wars is very, very much influenced by westerns as well. Oh yeah. So it's kind of like that. That's all that is. And it's it's very much doing the um, you know revisionist western kind of like there's no real hero kind of thing. Yeah, it's just, you know, yeah, Clint Eastwood rolled in from out of town and he's doing some things that might be good for some people, but it's mostly things that are good for him, mm -hmm. like Fistful of Dollars, basically. Hey, um, High Plains Drifter, High definitely. Plains Drifter as well, very much. Not Pale Rider, because in Pale Rider, he's a communist, but... He's a communist pastor. Yeah, for, for some reason. <laughs> Still no name on him, but whatever. And Hang Him High, he's just a guy. <laughs> and he's so mad. <laughs> good as he ought to be in fistful of dollars he's just this like suspiciously knowledgeable guy <laughs> and in the devil's rejects he's not there he's not he's not he could have been i think but i bet he wouldn't want to i don't think he I would i feel like clint eastwood probably hates rob zombie <laughs> there's you know it just reminds me of um who was it was it tarantino hmm. or bay so one of the guys walked out of the screening of Friday the 13th. Oh, that was Michael Bay. Yeah. yeah. Bay walked out saying it was fucking disgusting. And it's like, man, what do you mean? This is just another Friday movie that's just a little... It's, it's just got a, a little bit extra gross. Yeah, it's just a little extra gross. Calm down. I would be interested to see what Rob Zombie would do with a Friday the 13th movie. I also would be interested, but I know I would not like it. <laughs> I bet it would be unpleasant. I don't think I would have fun because it would... It would mm. Also, uh, the guy who plays RJ is the guy who plays Michael Myers. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, Rufus is Michael Myers gotcha. in uh, Zombies movie. Yeah, I, I know Bill Mosley is in uh, is in uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween, and he plays a also Bill Mosley <laughs> is in um, uh, he's in the uh, 2013 Texas Chainsaw remake, the one that's just titled Texas Chainsaw. Mm -hmm. Bill Mosley is in that. He's Drayton Sawyer. Oh. That's uh, that's uh, that's a Bill Mosley. Huh. He's also in uh, Army of Darkness. He's, yeah. He's one of the skeletons. That's very funny. <laughs> and he's only in Army of Darkness because he he knew that Sam Raimi was making it and he wrote a letter asking to be in it, basically mm -hmm. explaining, you know, about how he was chopped up in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. If you saw that and blah, blah, blah. And I really love the Evil Dead movies. He, he wrote Sam Raimi a letter about how he loved the Evil Dead movies and would love to be in the new one that he knew that they were making and sam raimi reading this was just like somebody wants to be in here yeah sure <laughs> i need so many extras for so, the wall of skeletons <laughs> yeah so he is one of the he's like an important skeleton he's the one that's wearing like he's he's a skeleton that's wearing like two eye patches <laughs> and he's like always he, he's the one who's like talking to evil ash and giving him like uh strategic advice and stuff i love that. when they're having the big battle at the end it's fantastic Anyways, though, Bill Mosley is such a good actor, he and really I'm so is. glad that he's willing to work with Rob Zombie and do these fucked up characters and do like it's just great character work. And I really appreciate him being here. It's for clear it. that they work together really well because he's been in like all of Rob Zombie's oh, movies. Yeah. Honestly, and that's the thing. So many people work with so many he's of Rob's movies. So he has a very repeat people. He's yeah. got this. He's got a like a repeat cast on the same level as like a Mike Flanagan damn near yeah almost the same level as a flanagan almost the same level as a fucking american horror story like he's got a really consistent rotation i of would people. compare him to guillermo del toro in this way and no yeah. other way at all y yes i oh, and no <laughs> and also being 
horny for old movies. Oh, there is that. They are both they horny for old movies. Both love those old and movies. And they both love monsters, but I think they like them in different ways. I think they do. And with Guillermo that Guillermo wants to fuck. <laughs> Rob might also, but he, they definitely want to fuck different He's monsters. more tactful about it. Yeah. No, he's less he's not more tactful. No, he's, no, he's no, le- no. He's um, He's less classy about it? No, because Guillermo's really classy about he how is. he's That's like. That's the thing. When Guillermo makes a monster fucking movie, it's something beautiful like Shape of Water. God, I love Shape of it's Water. It's so fucking good. Oh my god. Can't wait to talk about that on the podcast. It's inevitable, right? Nina loves it. Maybe, Nina loves it. I I'm, love it. I'm gonna, you love it. I'm gonna call an audible. That's next week's movie. Next week's movie is uh, uh, next, what? Now two that weeks we're from now's movie. Yeah, now that we're in the Christmas season, it's time to cover a Christmas movie, Shape of Water. It is around Christmas, isn't it? I don't think so. No. Fuck. Uh, well, we should probably cover a Christmas movie, at least one in the month of December. I'm sure we'll figure one out. And if it's not a Christmas movie that we do next, it'll be Shape of Water. <laughs> no, no, it has no. To be Shape Christmas. of Water is not even a. We can't. We can't call that a horror movie. We can't justify that. We can cover it, but. A lot of a lot of horror podcasts cover it because it's good. So are we just following the trends? Is that what we're doing now? Yep. <laughs> with that, I've been Jeff. You can find me on Tumblr at what is it you pray for? <laughs> I'm Noah. You can find me at Bubba the Bad, B-U-B-B-A-D-A-B-A-D on uh let's see Twitch, Tumblr, Letterboxd, and Blue Sky. It really sucks that you can't say Twitch, Twitter, Insta anymore. That was really a good time, wasn't it? It was great. Twitch, Twitter, and Insta. Yeah. Anyways, uh, you can also find the podcast on Tumblr at Casual Horror Pod. You better believe I'm about to go on a spree of uh, Devil's Rejects reblogs. Oh, boy. And we will see you next time. Awoo. Awoo. Is that your best awoo? Werewolves of London. Werewolves of London.